This episode of Meet Us at Molly's is dedicated to Dushan Monique Brown. Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brown on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride Hey, Shyhards, welcome back to episode 51 of Meet Us at Molly's. Today, we're going to go ahead and cover Chicago Fire, season six, episodes 14 and 15. This was the two hour movie event that we all cried through. We know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. So as always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. We have another guest host with us. Woohoo! Woo! So today we have Jessica T. Jessica, hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're good. We're good. We're waking up on this uh, this morning. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. It's a little early over here in California. Yeah, yeah. It's it, well, it's Sorry Sunday when we that, record, guys. of course. Yeah. Sorry I can't function that. before 8 a.m. I don't know how you're doing it right now. It's rough. I tell you that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm half tempted to get another cup of coffee here in a minute. But <sighs> so, yeah, as we said, we're going to go ahead and cover the two hour movie today. Now, we always do like to start with the news. Unfortunately, we've got to start with some really sad news, actually. Um, we all know it by now. But on Friday, Dushan Monique Brown, the actress who plays Connie on Chicago Fire, very sadly passed away. Uh, God, it's so sad. And there were articles everywhere on Twitter, but it's been pretty much all over. I know Kara posted something just saying, you know, she'll be missed. Yuri posted something. I think Joe, Joe posted, posted something. Joe posted something, yeah. Did yeah. you see what Christian. Michael Brandt posted? That one broke my heart. Oh, oh yeah, I didn't Michael see Brandt what Brandt posted. posted. No. Oh, on Instagram, I literally saw that. I was like, my heart is broken, and I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the fire people were posting. I mean, a lot of people from the cast and stuff retweeted, but, like, a lot of people were posting. I think I even saw – fuck, what is his name? The guy who played – oh, Stephen McQueen. I think even he – like, literally, I think everyone was posting about it that was once a part of fire. Yeah, the – uh, the caption that Michael Brandt had was on a night when Chicago fire showed there's only room for one firefighter show on TV. We lost our beloved Connie Deshaun Brown could do more hilarious damage with a look than anyone in Chicago. She turned a small role into a force and we will miss her warmth, sense of humor and calming presence. Ugh, this breaks my heart. I know. I'm just like, Oh, I can't. I she, she was only 49. Yeah. Yeah, and the preliminary reports, I think, indicate that it was a heart attack. I know what a lot of people on Twitter are saying, because I, I don't remember who was the first one to report it, but they said that, like, she had initially gone to the hospital and then been sent home and then came back. Yeah, so that's what I saw. I think yeah. it was TMZ and then Chicago Tribune was, like, the big one that, like, got people talking. But TMZ, I think, had it first, but... I, th- I think I saw it through Chicago Tribune. I think it was the first one that popped up that I saw. There, somebody had tweeted it to, I think it was the Filming Chicago account early on Friday. And the, the man who runs that account, you know, he was like, I don't like to start rumors, but can anybody corroborate this? And then in the afternoon, I think is when the news outlets started to break it. 
break it. Yeah. And so um, I was literally, I was leaving work and I was driving out to my boyfriend's place and I like checked Twitter at the gas pump and I saw the uh, the group text going. So I'm yeah. like sitting at the gas pump, sending out this tweet, trying to like, you know, cover this, but also function in real life. It was just, it's very sad. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I think it's what you said about like functioning in real life. Like that's, you know, I was at work, like I was at the Wizards game, like, you know, working, you know, doing all the stuff I do pregame and like, you know, I got the text from Ashley and it was just like, holy crap like you know you can't really react to because like I was at work like I can't stop what I'm doing and sit there and go scroll on Twitter even though I wanted to but like you know yeah it's hard when stuff like this breaks during real life and your real life has to go on like it's hard yeah it is hard it's just very sad and just the whole I don't know the whole thing of like you know she's here one second she's gone the next that just yeah yeah and I think just gives you that reminder sometimes, and it's just, yeah, like, chilling. Yeah, and I think the fact that, you know, she was literally, a, you know, we were just talking about it before we started recording, you know, she was a decent, you know, she was a big part of the Chicago, of the movie we're getting ready to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, for Connie's role, I mean, she was a big part. And so we literally saw her the night before, and then Friday night you get the news break that, like, you know, Deshaun has passed, and, you know, Yeah. Well, what's kind of, it reminds me, and I know Gina will get this, of Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter with John Ritter. Uh, like, he yes. was there one day, and all of a sudden, like, it broke the next morning, and I was like, wait, what? Like, I just saw him on TV less than 24 hours ago. It's crazy. I remember that. Yeah, that was a really funny show, Bryna. Um. I've seen parts of that. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was. I, I remember that though, like him being on TV and then the next day just passing like that. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. That's really sad. And I, I mean, I experienced something a little similar. Like I, I'm a big soccer fan; it's no secret. But uh, there was a soccer player that I was actually very good friends with. My best friend was as well, and that was literally a here one second, gone the next type of thing. Like he was here and then he passed, and. It was just kind of like, oh, oh, my God, like, what do we do? Yeah, and it really sucks to say that it's a part of life. And it's, you know, it's something that we're going to have to face every day, whether we like it or not. And that really sucks. Yeah, it's just life does that sometimes. And it gives you that reminder and just slaps you across the face. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I mean, yes, Connie was a minor character. However, I mean, you know, we're so sad and it's just so... It's so sad for the whole Chicago Fire casting crew, but also, I mean, it just shows that this one Chicago universe, it is a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it reaches so far beyond what we see on camera. It's not just the cast that are this family. Anybody who watches the show is part of this family. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And so that's why it's just so sad. And so if you missed it online... Yuri Sardarov, who of course plays Otis, he has started a GoFundMe for Dushan's family to cover her funeral expenses and any other residual expenses. Um, we retweeted it on our Twitter page. We'll tweet it again so you can see it. But, you know, if you can, please chip in and donate again. This is one big family. So, you know. Yeah, and they surpassed their first goal. I mean, I think their first goal was like $1,000, and they surpassed that within an hour, and then they raised the goal, and they, I think last time, and that was last night, the last time I looked at it, they were like $400 from almost hitting that goal, too. So, like, you know, like you said, one Chicago family's chipping in, you know, when something happens to one of their own. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's really good. I did see um, Engine 18. That is, they, that's the engine that occupies the firehouse, like the firehouse. They donated about like $300. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's everybody's awesome. chipping in. Yeah. They've so upped the goal great. to 10000 and they're just shy of six. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, last night it was 5000 and they were close to hitting 5000 So that's awesome. That's good. That's Because if you think of how suddenly she passed, I mean, there's no way they were ready for that. So No, and I mean, she left behind a daughter. So I think whatever probably doesn't go to her funeral or like once the funeral's taken care of, it's probably going to all go to her. So Yeah, that's good. And the other thing, too, is that she was a lot more than an actress. I mean, Dushan was very big in the theater community in Chicago, but she was also, I think, a, what, a high school guidance counselor? Counts, she, yeah, she was a counselor in the Chicago public school system, which is awesome. And I didn't realize that until, you know, it's unfortunate that I didn't realize that until, you know, she passed, but I, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, I mean, there's obviously an entire school, multiple schools of children that are going to miss her as well. So, I mean, I don't know, just... Be kind to one another. Listen to your body. If something's up, go see a doctor. And always trust your gut instinct. That's another thing, too, because, I mean, Grey's Anatomy just had an episode on this about, you know, when Bailey had her heart attack. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Listen to your gut instinct. If your gut says something is wrong, speak up. Well, you can even go back to, I know a lot of people watch This Is Us, like this season when we found out how Jack died. Like, listen to your body. Something is wrong. Yeah. Don't spoil it for me. Still haven't seen it yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I know. You didn't spoil anything, but, like, don't go any further than that. I still Brenna, haven't gotten I hate to tell you this, but Jack dies. Right? I know. Wow. I know that. But I don't want to know how he dies yet because I haven't gotten there. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hug each other. Be kind to one another. Just, it's one of those reminders that, you know, life is there. And as you heard at the beginning of the episode, we we're dedicating this episode to Dushan and the cast and crew of Chicago Fire. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. So one of the other hard things, you know, after something like this happens or after something very sad or tragic happens, you know, the show must go on. And that's a really hard thing to proceed with. But I mean, you know. We're, we're going to go ahead and move on and cover the episode, um, which D- Connie was a big part of, actually. So um, yeah. we've got two more pieces of news here. Uh, one piece is that Us Weekly did a podcast this week. <laughs> I didn't know Us Weekly had a podcast. I was literally just about either. to say the same thing. I <laughs> did not know that was a thing. Like, not that I was going to go find out. if what, I don't really pay that close attention to Us Weekly, but still. Well, they they have a weekly podcast, and so this week they did an episode, and they split it into, it was like a 20-minute episode, and the first half they covered the challenge on MTV, then the second half they covered One Chicago and just kind of updated everything. That's so random. I, I know. I don't watch the challenge anymore. I used to. So they were, like, spewing names, and I was like, who are they talking about? No, but, like, like literally, like, uh, I don't know. That just seems like two of the most odd things. Like, it's, like, reality TV on MTV and, like, network, like, ships on one Chicago. Like, literally can't get any more further from each other. But, I okay. I mean, they watch everything is, you know, what's going on. But is they it did... a TV podcast? Yeah, yeah. They cover okay. basically everything on TV. Um. I should find, like, the actual name, but it's Probably. hosted by, I want to say her name is Emily Longaretta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, I mean, yeah. 
She used yeah. to work for Hollywood Life. Okay, okay. Uh, she, yeah, she's. I think she's done some stuff at ATX too. I think. Hmm. I think. Noted. But yeah, she definitely pops up everywhere. Interesting. So they just basically did. Yeah, it's called Watch with Us. Yeah, oh. Watch with Us. Okay, so um, they also have a lot of podcasts. Jeez, I'm like scrolling through here. Royally with us, so we could get our update on Harry and Meghan. Um, oh, get ready. trust with us. So they have like a hair podcast. Goodness. So they basically just did an update on all of the One Chicago ships and kind of what's going on. And so I think the most telling thing out of this, uh, they I, Emily was in Chicago at some point and she talked to Derek and she interviewed Marina Scorciati as well. And she had some audio with Marina where, you know, she was talking about Berzik and their slow burn and everything. And she said that she thinks Berzik should get married in the series finale. Marina, I love you, but I got to disagree with you on this one and say hell no. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We've talked about it enough and like what Marina thinks about Berzik versus what Patty thinks about Berzik. I think honestly, though, at this point, at the rate they're going, like not that I want PD to end anytime soon, but like they're moving so fucking slow that like it wouldn't be surprised if they got married in the series finale just because like are moving so fucking slow but yeah i'd like it to happen you know before that at the same time i mean we're what like three or four episodes away from the end of the season and they're not even together like what is this gonna be an elopement like are we just gonna be here one day and the next day we're in like vegas getting married it just doesn't work but i don't the thing is i mean yes i want them married of course who doesn't want berzik married but i don't want to wait till the series finale yeah that would be a little no, rough. Yeah, no, it'd be really rough. And fans would, I mean, fans would, have already said, like, you know, like, I'm dropping off if they don't get together by, like, halfway through now. Like, it's been, like, two and a half years at this point. Like, come on. But it, also, um, it goes back to what, maybe it was Patty said at Con. Somebody at Con said, it, like, PD is not so much about the relationships anymore. I was literally just about to bring, it was Patty. It was Patty and his meet and greet. I was literally just about to bring that up. Yeah, like. PD is not about relationships anymore, which is fine. And PD has been great. And, you know, we've gushed about PD forever and ever and ever. But, like, you know, I think it's kind of hard when a show starts and it is so much about relationships that, like, as it evolves, like, you still want those relationships to evolve with the show. But when they kind of just get dropped off and the show continues to evolve, it's like, well, wait a second. What about this thing that happened in the beginning of the show that I love so much? So I think they need to find a way in order, like, as the show evolves and it gets darker and more about the cases and more about real life, which is so great, but, like, you have to find a way to also make sure that you just didn't drop off what everyone loved about the show from the beginning. Right. Which was about the relationships. Yep. And that's kind of the hard part about shipping and television and just, like, all these things. It's like, you know, when a show doesn't want to be about relationships anymore, it doesn't have to be. Which is fine, and, you know, that's the writer's choice, but, like, you also have to recognize that, like, a lot of fans watch because of relationships. Yeah. Even if they wanted to do, like, something like they did with Linstead last season where they were, like, for the first part of the season, pour some out for Linstead, um, where, you know, they were together and happy. It just, like, kind of, like, we knew they were together and they were happy, but it kind of happened on, like, the back burner. That's right. fine. I just want Bersic to be happy. Right. Nobody would complain if they got, like, a Linstead early season four treatment. Like, nobody would complain. No one says that they have to have storylines or plot lines or whatever 
Like, they just want them to be back together. Like, mm-hmm. literally, that's, I think, all fans are asking to just be like, let's get a reunion scene, like, and then know that in the background, like, Berzik is happy. Yeah. And they had said something, like, Marina and Patty, I think, had both said what they're trying to do now, not behind the scenes, but if it's, if they're in the background or something, they're trying to play it in the background like they're kind of dating. So... Everybody keep an eye out for this, okay? Like, bullpen scenes or, like, Kate scenes, whatever. Like, yes, of course, pay attention to what's going on. But also keep an eye on Burgess and Ruzik. If you see any of these moments, let us know. Well, yeah. think back to the episode with the bombing at the TV studio. When they were kind of just panning around, you could see that they were totally, like, close and, like, you know, whispering yeah. between each other. Like, now that you've said something, I'm like, thinking back going oh totally I've seen it and didn't even realize it yeah that was a moment that Patty and Marina had told us to like watch out for in at con they were like you know in the first part of the 100th episode like this happens like pay attention yeah and I I remember at the Molly's party Patty had said he's like yeah he's like that scene especially he's like you know I went over and kind of like put my arm around her and stuff and like you know stuff you don't see but you know like keep an eye out for yeah. it so that cup scene that they keep referring to where you know Ruzik's drinking something and like Burgess just takes it and sips it and gives it back we got to keep an eye out for that hopefully it, makes it didn't it. get cut yeah yeah so I don't know. Another funny thing that Marina had said, she was like, I don't know why, but Voight should walk her down the aisle. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's, funny. Uh, that's funny. I don't know how I feel about that. That's a little strange. Like, <laughs> I don't know. No, I know. I know. That's funny. That that's was funny, one of those though. like really funny things that was just like, oh, <laughs> cute. Um, I'm trying to think of what else they said in the podcast. Um, they did touch on Upstead and basically echoed our sentiments Bryna uh, just asking about you know why thank god yeah can a can a man and a woman just be partners like why does it have to turn romantic thank you yeah Jessica what are your thoughts on Upstead in the beginning I was a little hesitant because as everybody we all ship Linstead I mean there was there was no way around it but as their work relationship has kind of progressed you can see that they kind of the way they work together is strange it's not like a dynamic that you see from a lot of other members like you know if you look at Burgess and Ruzik you're just kind of like oh they have chemistry outside but the dynamic that uh Upton and uh, Jay have it's just it's strange to me but I think in the long run the more I watch I'm kind of like I could totally see them getting together not for a long period of time, but I think they would be kind of like the Aaron Severide storyline where they're like together, not together, together, not together. Here's a booty call and off I go kind of thing. <laughs> but I think they're better off as friends, definitely. <clears throat> yeah, and I think the important thing to remember here is that nothing romantic has happened yet. Nothing romantic happened in last week's episode. We're just thinking ahead. Yeah, we just know this show too well. Yeah, we do. We do. And watch them give that relationship all of the attention while Berzik are in the background like, hello. Yeah. 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 So that was just interesting. Hey, um, Us Weekly, next time you need input on the One Chicago shows, um, hi. Find us. Yeah. yeah. Call us. We're here. We're available. Just saying. Seriously. So, yeah, that was an interesting little update there. Um. Yeah, and so the last bit of news we had, um, it's interesting that 
Brant in his Instagram post kind of threw a little shade about firefighter shows because the other thing I wanted to mention here, and I mean, this is not our typical dose of news, but it's just kind of worth noting. So Chicago Fire beat Station 19 in the ratings on Thursday, um, the night that the two-hour movie aired. This was also the night of the two-hour premiere of Station 19. Did you guys get to watch it? No. (laughs) Okay. I actually watched it. Yeah, I did. And I liked it. I'm going it. to. I just haven't watched it yet. I liked it. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, it's literally Grey's in a firehouse, though. I mean, there, there are stark differences between Fire and Station 19. Um, really? It's Yeah, so each episode starts with a voiceover of, you know, the main character. Her name is Andy. She basically gives, like, this voiceover about, like, life. And then everything kind of ties into that. But At the um, end. And then she ends with a voiceover, like, literally Grey's. Yeah, yeah, and so, um, but there were some, like, really good moments. Something they do really well is that every member of the firehouse is highlighted in, like, equal weight. So it's not something where Casey and Severide are super prominent, Randy and Tony are in the background. Right. Each member of the firehouse kind of gets their moment to shine. Um, That's nice. That's not me, like, throwing shade at fire. It's just... No, it's just, it's a different show. And I think from what I've seen, at least in cast pictures, obviously it looks like there's way less cast members on Station 19. Yeah. So I think that probably helps. And I think every cast member that was cast on Station 19 was cast to be like either the main role, like this girl, Andy, like I said, I don't even, I haven't even gotten to the part where they introduced them on Grey's. So like, I'm not, I'm like, don't even know what I'm talking about right now. But like, so there's them. And then there's like the secondary characters, but everyone is cast with like the chance to shine. Whereas yeah. like, that wasn't how Fire was cast. And that's not the show that Fire's trying to put out, which is fine. Yeah. And there, there's an equal balance of female and male characters in the firehouse as well. Granted, yeah. I mean, Fire does a fantastic job with their female characters because they are all badass bitches. Right. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it, each one is different. Um, Gray Damon is in it. He was, I want to say, he was somebody's son in Friday Night Lights. I don't I'm know. I'm looking I, this up right now. Yeah. That name sounds really familiar. What'd you just say, Gray Damon? Yeah. Jay Hayden is in it, who is also one of Jesse Lee Soffer's yeah, best friends. Yeah, how was, yeah, how was, um, yeah, how was Jay? Jay was great. Um, his character, so that's the other thing about this show, too. All of the firefighters are trained paramedics, so it's not, they don't have an ambo. They are the ambo. That's awesome. Yeah, so he. But literally, is, Grace. Yeah, so his character, um. His character is really, like, interesting. Um, I think his name is Montgomery, but he references his husband in the first episode. And then in the second episode, we find out that his husband was also a firefighter. He passed in the line of duty. Ooh. So there's a lot of rich story there. There is another character. I can't remember his name right now, but if you saw the premiere, he's the one who saves the puppy at the beginning. He, I want to say, was the original Madison on Broadway in Hamilton. Um, and if he wasn't the original Madison, he was Madison at one point. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there's it, there's a lot of differences. I mean, and I, you know, the, the point of this was not to just like fangirl over Station 19. I'm not. <laughs> but just a reminder, guys, these two firehouse shows can coexist and it is perfectly OK to like both. Yeah, agree. Perfectly OK to like both. So, yeah, you just yeah. made me more. Ex- I mean, you know, I'm, I was I was already going to watch it, but now I'm like, oh, I definitely am going to watch it. 
Also, side note, that guy, Gray Damon, he played Hastings. So the guy that gets, like, the new recruit in Season 5 that was, like, a basketball player and then, um, like, joins the football team. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, that's See, and that's the thing, too, is, like, I could not remember this character for the life of me. I remember, like, I didn't remember, I could not have come up with his name, and, like, but now that I've listened, I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, I just, I couldn't remember his name for the life of me, but, I mean, he's good in the episode, too, and so they've already set up a bit of a love triangle. Um, of course they did. I don't want to, like, spoil too much, but I'm also, like, let me tell you all about the show. I don't care. Go spoil it for me. There's care. already, there's already a police character in there, so if they wanted to spin off into, like, Seattle PD, oh. they could, but he's cute, though. Um. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the point is, guys, the point is, is that these two firehouse shows can coexist. Can coexist. And it's perfectly, wonderfully, awesomely okay to like both. So. Yes. Yes. That's the point, is that it's, it's they're, they're different. There's no reason to pit these shows against each other, even though that's what I've said in the past is like, Station 19, ugh. Um. Yeah, they can coexist. So I don't want to see anything on Twitter where we're sniping at each other's shows. It's okay to like both. Yep. Rant over. Now, you guys need to go watch it because it's actually pretty good. I'll find time at yeah. some point. Well, who knows? I'll find it. So, yeah. So with that said, um, I think we can now jump into the episode. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel kind of bad that I just like blabbed about station 19 for like five minutes but i don't care whatever okay so this was the two-hour movie again that aired on thursday that now this was 6 14 and 6 15 and this was like oh my god so brian i know you and i had the screeners and when we watched this we were texting each other and basically the group text was like all caps like omg cry face this is brutal make this stop it was just like yeah yeah no, well, it's funny because, like, so you and Ashley, because, like, so this was a Friday night and I put it out. I was like, oh, my God, like, they're available, like, whatever. Like, I'm going to watch them as soon as I get home. Well, of course, I went to dinner that Friday night and Shabbat dinners with friends tend to run long. And so I literally had put my phone away for, like, four hours and I come back to, like, 50 text messages from you and Ashley being like, oh, my God, this was this, like, I don't want to spoil it for Bryna, but, like, holy shit, blah, 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 blah. I was like, guys, I haven't even gotten to watch it yet. Like, holy shit. And then I was like, but I got to watch it as soon as I get home. So I got home at, like, 1 a.m. And I was like, okay, it's time. Like, just going to watch it. So from 1 to, like, 3 a.m., I'm, like, in my bed, in my apartment, by myself, like, crying my eyes out just because, like, it was so good. But, like, I could not watch it. Yeah, this was, like, and it wasn't. It wasn't that, like, one storyline in particular was emotional. It was, like, a perfect storm of, like, five separate storylines hitting those, like, really emotional spots and all being, like, super emotional and coming together to just kill us. Well, I was emotional from the literally on the previously on fire. And then they start showing Anna. And I was like, oh, shit, I did not expect this. And then I was like, my tears already. I was just like, stop. I can't do this right now. Yeah, Jessica, what were your overall thoughts on the two-hour movie? Uh, the downfall to living on the West Coast is you have all other three time zones that watch it before you. So staying off of social media is kind of hard. So for me, I was, wasn't as surprised as I'm sure some of the people on the East Coast who had nobody to watch it beforehand. You were kind of getting like, oh my God, there's this. Oh my God, there's this. And I'm like, okay. So I kind of like was able to prepare myself. 
So I wasn't yeah. as emotional as probably, you know, you guys were watching it before anybody else could. But I, it was still, it tugged at the heartstrings. I mean, now knowing what happened 24 hours after you look back at Connie's, you know, scenes and you're just like, oh my God, who knew that that was going to be like one of the last scenes when she was alive that we were going to view. I'm sure we'll see her, you know, in an episode or two more, but... It wasn't as surprising to me as it probably was for everybody else because living on the West Coast, you get all the spoilers anyway, so. I can never live on the West Coast just because of the fact that I watch too much television. Like, literally can never live on the West Coast. I actually, when Chicago Fire first started and I was really, really into it, I actually would, like, sign out of all social media because I wanted absolutely no spoilers, but then I was like... I'm a college student and that's how we like conversate with students <laughs> that we go to school with. So I couldn't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, I could just yeah. like literally trying to like thinking about like dancing with the stars literally can never do it. <laughs> nope. nope. Couldn't do it. You'd be at tapings every week. If you lived on the West coast, you'd be like, screw oh, that. I'd I'm going everywhere. right to the source. I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, I'm going to tapings. I'm going to all those bachelor and bachelorette tapings that I can never go to because I don't live on the, yeah, I'd be everywhere. It'd be great for the social life. It would not be good for the TV watching life. If I wasn't like seven, if I, if I wasn't seven hours away, I would, you know, go to tapings all the time, <laughs> but living in Northern yeah. California, you don't really get those. <laughs> I'm just imagining they're like filming at the mansion and Bryna's like in the bushes trying to like figure <laughs> out what's happening. I wouldn't be that far, but I would be, yeah, I would be, oh, I'd be there. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that, the, yeah. See, and I know when I miss an episode and I have to catch it the next day, I bitch and complain about having to stay off social media just for that hour. I couldn't imagine like all the time. Yeah. 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 It's rough. It's rough. And you don't get to live tweet with us either. I and that really sucks is for the longest time I had a Twitter page where I was live tweeting with Chicago Fire and Chicago PD and Chicago Med but then it just got to the point where living on the west coast it wasn't a surprise anymore so I just like live tweeting was pointless because it's somebody has already seen it and you know they follow five million pages that say the same thing it was kind of like it was pointless at that point yeah no I know a lot of so like for talk nerdy with us I know a lot of we only have like one writer who's on the west coast and she's a constant live tweeter but I know she says it's really hard to get people engaged with like her live tweets versus like you know us all of us who are on the east coast or live tweet with the east coast like it's really hard to get just like west coast viewers on twitter engaged with live tweeting just because like they've already seen it yeah and it's really funny is like every so often when we get like a jesse spencer or you know anybody from the cast where they're like we're tweeting with the west coast it's like a big thing like we're all over here like yes we finally have somebody who's gonna watch it with us and not spoil it for us right interesting yeah i never like thought of it that way that's crazy so we were able to break this down by storyline just because there's so much that happened. And this is like, I feel like this episode, like if you, if you look at season six as a whole and it's kind of been going in like a straight line towards the finale, this episode is where the season just takes like a sharp left turn. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's interesting. So, I mean, I feel like almost everybody took that sharp left turn. And so, yeah, we broke this down by storyline and kind of in order. So just, you know, bear with us. So. We're going to start with the Dossies, because of course we are. Basically, we start off and Truck and Ambo get called to a car accident in a grocery store parking lot. Now, this is another one of those rescues where Gina looks at it and is like, how the hell did that happen? Because yep. 
this married couple, they, like, drove through a stack of shopping carts, and they're somehow, like, on top of it. Yeah. They're, like, that thing, that, like, pole that's supposed to stop the shopping carts. Yeah, like, they're, like, on top of it. I don't even understand. I just really need some explanation as to how these things happen. Right? You're just sitting here, some of the stuff that they do, and, and like, this included, you're just like, how does, how... What? What happened? Like, I have like an ongoing list now of calls where I'm like, I need to know how this happened. Yeah, I want to know from Derek, like, who came up with this call? Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of them are based on like ride alongs they did before the series even started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But st- this one, I nope, don't, nope, don't know. The, the guy in the barbed wire from earlier this season, I need to know that. We already got that answer. Yeah, but all Derek said was that he was on drugs. I'm like, okay, but ha- why was there barbed wire on the roof? What? How, how did he get up there? How? I just, uh, yeah. We're just going to make our running list for Derek. That must yeah, be like a, a, an out of California thing because around here, like depending on where you live and what parts of cities you live, there is barbed wire on every building at like every corner. It's rough. <laughs> So, like, that one, I think, maybe didn't stick out to me as much because I grew up in a not-so-lovely area in California. And, yeah, you had barbed wire a lot of places, on top of roofs. I mean, your normal on top of fences. I mean, they would have it, you know, around the tops of some of the windows so that people couldn't jump down and jump in. I mean, it was rough. I'm going to jot that down as something to Google. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've never, I mean, obviously on fences, yeah, like, for sure, but, like, never on buildings, ne- yeah. When huh. I go and visit my dad, I'll have to remember to take a picture if I go downtown, and I'll send it to you guys. Cool. Yeah. It is, it's scary, and especially, like, I grew up in the 90s, like, early 90s, so it wasn't as bad as if I can imagine, like, living at home now and being, like, 10 or 11 years old in that part of town, I would, I would be terrified because it's just gotten so bad over there like every day you're hearing of somebody being shot or and I'm sitting here going now I know why they had barbed wire everywhere people are breaking in places and looting for no apparent reason it's yeah it's crazy oh my goodness so maybe it wasn't like a great part of Chicago but yeah this this call in particular it's just how did that how did the car get up there how how did physics like work itself out to have that happen but there, yeah, so there's a husband and a wife in the car, and the, the wife is driving, and the husband is already, like, super pissed off and just, like, not cool at all. And so something's up because basically every time Casey or Dawson ask the wife what happened, the husband answers for her. And so once they pull the husband out, you know, he, like, takes off his sea collar and he's like, fuck this, I'm fine. Um, and so Casey and this woman get like a moment where it's just the two of them. And so the wife tries to tell Casey what's up, but she can't really get the words out. So there's a moment there where Casey just kind of reads the reads the situation and just kind of like really low. He's like, is there anything else you want to tell me? And she can't quite get it out. And so I immediately knew where this was going just because, I mean, they did a really good job with this story for him because they built it up in such a way that even if you haven't seen season one, it was a revelation as to like where this was going. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like that a lot. And so uh, they try to take the wife to med. The husband throws a fit. And so Casey distracts him so that the Ambo can leave, which is a total Manstead move, but I'll take it. Oh my God. It's so Manstead, but it's so great. 
so great. I don't. I mean, I can't imagine that that's like okay. But I also feel like if you're Casey, you get away with a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely probably not okay. Like, I mean, ethically and morally, but you know, it's TV. It's TV. It's TV. So then, uh, as Dawson and Brett are getting her into the Ambo, they notice all of these bruises on her. And so, obviously, we're headed in a bad direction. So, at Med, Will doesn't like the wife's bruises either. But, you know, she swears that she slipped in the shower. And so, the husband and wife are leaving. The husband's pretty adamant. He's, like, making her leave. And so, you know, all of them are just like, well, shit. And so... I love when the husband's trying to make her leave and everything, but you see, like, Will and then Gabby and Brett are behind him and everything, and you can just tell, like, they've all got this woman's back, like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my favorite part was just, like, Will's, like, you know, sir, like, I understand that she's your wife or whatever. She's, like, he's, like, but I have to hear it from her. Like, Mm -hmm. she has to be the one that's, you know, because legally she is the patient. So it's, like, I have to hear it from her. If she wants to leave, she wants to leave. But, like, you know, it has to come from her. Yeah, and Will did that thing where he, like, stepped in front of the husband to be, like, you know, all physically whatever. And I'm like, Will, you're so cute when you try to be assertive. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so the husband makes her leave. So then Casey updates Gabby on what's happening. And, you know, he gave Antonio the license plate number because, you know, bro-in-laws just BFF calling each other being like, hey, I got this issue. So he gave Antonio the license plate number, but he'd really prefer to drop by himself before CPD sends an officer. So Dawson just kind of says, she's like, you know, if there's anybody who can convince her to get help, it's you. So just like friendly reminder that Dossie are married AF because, you know, it's Casey's turn to go all Gabby Dawson and Gabby just sits back and just lets it happen. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about it like that. But yeah, that's a good point. So so good because she i mean she knows that this strikes a nerve with him so she just sits back and is like do your thing yeah it's good it's good good so casey goes to see the woman and the woman's like you know my husband's upstairs if she if he finds out that i'm talking to you like it won't be good and casey just says he's like i know what you're dealing with i watched someone very close to me go through it again this is an excellent callback excellent callback we i mean i know we watched it on skype with ashley but we didn't watch the first hour so i'm curious to hear what she thought of this because she hasn't seen the entirety of season one yeah oh that's a good point yeah she doesn't know any about that i think yeah i think it's a you know it's an excellent callback it's about time that you know we're reminded of casey's past like we really haven't done like dealt or heard anything you know that much about it since season two so like which again ashley hasn't seen so like you know but yeah that's a good point yeah. I'm going to have to write that down. I'm going to text her that right now so I don't forget. Jessica, you've you've been with the show since the beginning, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so you 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 knew what was up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And okay. it was nice to have, like, season one be pulled back because season one, to me, was something that was a shit show almost because, <laughs> like, from where we are now to how organized and put together and everything goes with something else whereas back in season one at least in the first you know probably five or six episodes it was kind of like it jumped to where you couldn't follow storylines like i don't know how many times it was matt and i can't even Haley was hallie was that her hallie yeah hallie and i'm like okay they're together they're not together but he's flirting with dawson and that's okay and then like all of a sudden he's like pushing dawson out like i that that's it like i want nothing i'm like we all know you guys will get together like that was eminent from the beginning we knew along the line but it's just kind of like it was really choppy for me but yeah i totally knew what was going on 
Yeah, I always have to describe season one to people as like, you know, hey, it's a new show. They have to find their footing. So they jump around a lot, but then they do. And it's awesome. So, yeah, that's that's a good one. Because I know my friend Becca, who I, I know I bring up a lot on here, but she wasn't too familiar with season one. And I remember maybe it was it was either last season or maybe it was a while back when Casey was even running for alderman. And one of his rivals had hung that banner by the firehouse about Nancy Casey murdering her husband or something. Oh, yeah, I think that's in season four, the billboard. Yeah. Yeah. And so Becca was like, what the hell is this? And I was like, oh, sit down. Let me tell you a story. Yeah. Um, so that, it's just, that it's was just been a while. And like, you know, for someone who's a main character, I feel like it should be referenced a little bit more. Or the fact mm-hmm. that we just haven't seen or heard from his sister or Violet since like season two. Like, yeah. OK. Yeah. I mean, it so, took us three seasons to get Leon back. So, like, I'm still holding out hope, but, you know. Anybody oh, that's that was- watching now wouldn't know that he has any family left. Like, they're just kind of like, oh, here's Matt. He has no family. Because they don't even reference his dad being a firefighter anymore. Like, it's just kind of pushed to the wind. Wait, Casey's dad was a firefighter? Yeah. Yeah, he died, in, that- he died in a blaze. What? No. I thought he did. I don't remember this. Because his, his, I did not think that was, his badge he- is in the, uh, oh, what's that place called? Where they have like Shay's badge and everybody. That's where Casey's dad's badge is. No, Casey's dad died because his mom killed him. Yes. Did I miss something in season one? It's been a while. Because I remember Casey's mom story- killed his dad. Yeah, and that's Which why she, why was she in went prison. to jail. I could have swore his badge was hanging. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch season one. Yeah, yeah now, now we, we have to go back. back. Yeah, and I'm like, wait. No, okay. We'll discuss yeah. this later. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Jot that down. Casey's father, question mark. But you're, Jessica, you're right. I didn't even think about that, that anybody just tuning in has no idea that, you know, he's got a sister. He's got a niece. He's well, got that's family. That's why I'm curious to see. I just texted Ashley, so I'm curious to see if she responds while we're recording and so we can include it in. But yeah, I'm curious to see what she thinks because she doesn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. So um, Casey... And Bowden, they meet with Burgetonio, and Antonio basically plans to talk to the husband himself. And so Burgess kind of gives the rundown that they've had past run-ins with this guy. And so she says something right before the scene's over, and she's like, there's nothing I'd love more than to slap the bracelets on this guy. Brenda, remember when we were in Chicago and we couldn't tell for the life of us what Voight said in a certain scene? Oh, yeah. We had to go back and watch it like five times. Yeah. I definitely heard her say pretzel like the first three times. She was like, I'd love to slap the pretzels on this guy. And I was like, did she just say? What? You heard pretzels? I, you know, I don't know. There was wine involved when I watched the screeners. Are we talking like soft pretzels, Gina? No, like hard pretzels, like twisty kind. Like that would make sense, right? (laughs) Whatever. There was wine involved when I watched the screeners, okay? Yeah, that's true. But no, it's just a little. But yeah, I forgot about the fact that it took us five times to hurt. We still don't know what Voight said in We still don't know what he said. No, we still don't know. So yeah, Antonio's going to go talk to the husband and that's that. And so... Boyland ends up coming up, like, speeding up to the firehouse looking for Casey. Casey hulks out. Yeah, he does. so great. Oh, my God. I love, love, love Angry Casey. It's, like, one of my favorite things in the world. Because he only ever gets angry when he's, like, super passionate about whatever it is that he's fighting for. And it, it happens when, like, something hits close to his heart. Yeah. So... Yeah, and so poor Severide is trying to, like, clear his head over this brisket, which we'll get to. And this car just comes, like, speeding up. And Severide's like, what the fuck is this? 
yeah, the guy's like, where is he? And then Casey just goes from like zero to 100 fast. And so everybody's holding him out, holding him back. And he's like, oh, you beat your wife, tough guy. Like, see what it's like when someone hits back. And it's just a great moment. And then Bowden comes out and does his like Dumbledore style, like enough. Like it was one of those. Like that it was, was probably out of that whole scene. I think that was my favorite part is he just like comes out of the door like he's king bitch. And he's like, get out of my way. This is my firehouse. Back the fuck up. Like he was like, <laughs> move. This is not your place. You need to go. I was like, yes, right there. I'm all about that life. <laughs> and even Severide, it said Severide's like, you need to calm down before I let him kick your ass. Like, yeah, BFFs love it. But then, like you said, Bowden came out like king bitch and was like, everybody stop. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny because, like, seeing Casey like that, like, I watched House. So I've seen Casey, like, kind of buck up like that before when he's passionate about something. But it's nice to see that now they're allowing him to semi-get physical instead of House being like, calm the fuck down. Stay out of this, you know? So it's kind of nice. That's so funny. Yeah, it was a really good moment. And, like, I know we've been a little rough on Casey at times this season, but it's like he's finally channeling his rage into, like, something healthy yeah no he deserved it up until this point he deserved all the rage that we gave him yes early season six captain casey deserved all of the rage that we gave him yes but this back half like captain casey has channeled his energy into like proper places as he should yeah i think he's coming more into his captain's role i think he's finally realized that he has a lot of responsibility that he needs to kind of step up to and he can't you know, just go and be like, whatever. Like, there's definitely a shift dynamic between who he was before he became captain and now. Like, he's fighting for something I think he's more passionate about. Like, mm-hmm. these are his men now and his women. Like, the, he has to protect them. And- yeah, that's a good way to put it. So, he, yeah, and it, it's just like anything in life when you're, like, you're coming up on something new and you're doing something for the first time. You've got to find your groove. And so Casey's done that. So that's good. Yeah. So Tonio returns and there is just so much goodness in this scene because, I mean, Casey's in there talking to them and he's flanked by Severide and Bowden because, of course, it's like. Of course he is. Yeah, because, you know, where Casey goes, they will follow because, of course, just of course. And this is when Bo- or Casey drops the title of the episode and he's just talking about the wife and he's like, you know, she's desperate. I felt it like there's something in her eyes. And he said, you know, she's looking for a lifeline. I'd like to give her one before he kills her. And Burgess and Antonio were like, OK, like, let's go. And so the other thing I love about that, too, is how Casey's like, well, he threatened me. Can't you charge him with that? And Severide's like, yeah, I witnessed it. Just the best BFFs. Just so great. And so Burgess and Antonio go to leave, but then 51 gets a call and they get called back to the Boylan's house. So shit's starting to go down. Before we go on, I totally want to give a shout out to Cap and his chair. Yeah, I was literally just about to bring that. I was like, when am I going to bring this up? Because I was going to wait till the end, but go ahead. Oh my God. Him in this chair was giving me life. Like he was all about that chair. I mean, I've seen Cap passionate about random things but him in this chair was like something i had never seen before he was like this is my chair this is my throne and don't you dare touch it i was like yes (laughs) this is great yeah but we also got like we i don't have we ever gotten like a tony one-liner like 
I don't think so. If we did, it's definitely been a long time. But we got a Tony one-liner. And I love that, you know, Derek said, you know, the scene with the chair on the roof, like, that was supposed to be the solo Randy and Tony scene. But then, of course, Tony went and got himself seen in a real fire and he missed shooting. Which, you know, they already told us that, I mean, they spoiled that for us in our interview with them at con. But, you know, um, it was just like, wow, like, I love that that didn't get cut because that was a great storyline. That was great. And I love how he's like, it's my squadiversary, nine years. And then Severide's like, didn't you have to, like, recertify seven years ago? And he's like, once on squad, always on squad. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, Kelly was almost like, I'm the only one that's allowed to have a nice chair. What are you doing? Like, get out of here with that thing. And Kat's yeah, like, this yeah, yeah. is mine. Like, back away. Well, then I love that he was, they were like, well, what are you going to do when, like, next shift comes in? And he's like, I'm going to put a sign on it that says, nobody touch it. She's <laughs> like, okay. Like, and you then as, like, he gets up and was it Gabby that just totally, like, plopped down in the chair? Yeah. She's like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, this is my nap space. <laughs> oh, so great. And so, yeah, so they go to this fire. And, I mean, the, the whole cap with the chair, that resolves itself. We'll get to that in a minute. But... They go to this fire at the Boylan's house. Squad sweeps the second floor and Casey navigates the first. Now, before they go in, Bowden's like, listen, we have reason to believe that the guy who came and like freaked out at Casey is in there. He might be armed. Just kind of like know that and go. So Casey's on the first floor of this fire with his Halligan. And it's like he's navigating a horror movie. It's some like Blair Witch shit because he's like the, the music's like tensing up and he's holding the halligan like a baseball bat and it's like everything's kind of silent and building and it's like yeah it's like casey in a scary movie so yeah so he's kind of navigating and he walks into the living room and he finds holly just kind of chilling out on this couch holly's of course the wife um and again this is like total horror movie like he found the killer and she's just like sitting there on the couch just like stone-faced total horror movie so yeah um while this is happening, he finds he finds Holly on the couch. The camera cuts back to Squad, and Squad finds the husband with a giant gash on his eye. They cut back to Holly, and she's got a baseball bat in her lap. So she basically, like, bludgeoned the shit out of him. Do you yeah. blame her, though? Like, <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Yeah. And no. that whole scene right there, I think made me angry like i'm watching it going you have fire around you why are you trying to have a powwow chit chat like get out like he's just sitting there like calm and chalant like talking to her like they were out in the park and i'm like dude the house is burning it's time for you to go let's get her outside and you can have that conversation while she's getting some oxygen or something get out of the house like move yeah, 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 for sure. Because, I mean, and this this next scene where Casey just kind of talks to her, this might be my favorite Casey scene of the whole series. It's very well done. Yeah, it's perfect. And so he- him talking is great, but just the overall aspect, I'm like, get out of the house, dude. Just get out. Yeah. No, time and place. Absolutely. Because I was like, uh, why are you taking your mask off? Uh, why are you just sitting there having a conversation? Like, it's so good. But yeah, no, this this scene was great. And then, of course, Casey drops that one line that like makes all the One Tree Hill fans just cry when he's like, it gets better, I promise. So everybody in the fandom is just like, ah, this hurts. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, I think this was probably Casey's. This is one of my favorite Casey scenes, probably of the entire series, because then, you know, he tells her he's like the person who went through this. It was my mother. You know, you can either go the route she did or actually get some help. And, you know, she takes his hand and everything. And it's, it's you know, it's a great, great scene. And like I said, it's a great callback. And it's a really great 
story for Casey in this episode. Really, really great. Just I, I'm, I'm with you, Jessica. I just wish they were like time and place, guys. Like, come on, burning building. Let's go. Well, and I'm kind of glad he didn't come across the husband because I was kind of feeling like he would have had that Joe Cruz moment. Like, do I save him? Do I leave him? Do I let him? I 100% agree with that. I I thought that he was going to be the one that finds the husband and Severide was going to be the one that finds her. And I was going to be like, oh, crap, this is going to be, like you said, like a Joe Cruz moment of like, do I save him? Do I save Flacco or do I not? Um, But yeah, so I'm glad it was the other way around. Man, could you imagine that? Casey would have been so racked with guilt if he had let the guy burn in the fire. Yeah. But then I think that, like, un- yeah, and I think, but I think unlike Joe, like, granted, obviously we saw, like, some really great stuff for Joe after that, you know, with him guilt, with his guilt. But if Casey does it, it literally changes the the course of the entire series. Right. Like, yeah, like, you know, then we, because then you get, like, more of a PD part. Like, you're going to see PD more often because then, you know, it, it would just, it would literally change the course of the entire series if Casey did it. So they would never go there with that. But, yeah. Right. Right. So um, they get the husband outside and Burgess is like, how did he get that gash? And Casey and Severi just kind of make this whole story about, you know, he fell in the fire. Oh, my God. This is my favorite part. Yeah. Because, like, when the husband gets put in, like, nobody actually wants to tell the truth. And Antonio's like, and they're like, yeah, Casey and Severed were like, yeah, like, well, he fell into a bed stand, you know, as a result of the fire. And Antonio's like, well, that's good enough for me. And then Derek was like, what, at that part he tweeted, he was like, you know, LOL, Antonio's still thinking he's on Chicago justice. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Derek. Yes. That's funny. That's funny. So we then find out it it wraps itself up and we find out that the woman accepted an open spot at a no contact shelter and Casey's still kind of beating himself up over certain parts of this. But Bowden just reminds him, Bowden's like, you did good, which you did, Casey. You did good. Yeah, he did. You did good. So um, that's kind of the uh, that's basically the Casey story of the first hour. So the next thing we're going to move into is Bertonio. Bryna, will you please take us through Bretonio? Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about Bretonio. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jeannie's like, I know, you've been waiting for this. Okay, so the Bretonio st- starts with literally the very first moment of um, the first hour. So Sylvie wakes up in bed, and, you know, she's wearing a PD shirt of Antonio's, which, you know, that's literally all she's wearing as she comes down the stairs. And Joe just gives her this look because, you know, we know he's still, like, slightly jealous even though he's like moved on but he's still always gonna be jealous and she's like where's Antonio and Joe's like oh well like you know he didn't want to wake you like he already left and she's like oh okay and then there's just this like awkward like nobody really knows what to say because like she's running late for work and like they gotta go but like there's this elephant in the room um but I love seeing Sylvie walk down in that PD shirt also how does her hair look so flawless when she's just woken up I know Nobody actually looks like that. And can no. we reference the fact that that totally was the giveaway that she was the one that was going to take the pregnancy test because she grabbed her stomach? Like, first thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you didn't already know that beforehand, because, like, we were talking about before we started recording, like, it's really obvious that it's Brett. Just, you know, her hand, you know, is a lighter skin tone color than the other ones, and that's the one that grabs the pregnancy. Like, it's so obvious. But, yeah, if you didn't know that before now it was so obvious um anyway so then 
the next time we really see anything about the Bretonio stuff is like later on at the firehouse and they're discussing the slam again stuff and Cruz is like, you know, I want to give Brett 10% of the company, you know, because it was, it couldn't have happened without her, whatever. And Brett's like, oh, you know, I couldn't, you know, I've never owned anything before like this. And then Herman's like eating the chicken salad sandwich and he like drops some of it out onto the plate and literally just the sight of it makes her run to the bathroom. And so Dawson like follows her in after she sees Brett running and Dawson's like, are you okay? And Sophie's like, no, you know, I've been achy and tired and nauseated on and off for the past couple of days. And Dawson, like, has to point it out to her. And she's like, Brett, you sound pregnant. Like, this is the part of that promo that they dropped that made the fandom, like, almost really angry. Because a lot of people wanted this to be Dawson who was going to take the pregnancy test. So when they showed this clip, everybody was like, well, thanks. Now we know it's not Dawson. I I understand that people want Dawson to have a baby so bad. And I think they, you know, it's about time that they have one. But, like. I mean, we've talked about this before. When that happens, it's going to change, like, the course of the series. And, like, it's going to happen, but it needs to happen at the right time. And they just haven't gotten to that point yet. Yeah. Like, you literally just can't, like, drop it in here for an episode or two. Well, and what makes me angry about this whole, like, pregnancy scare storyline is that once she takes the test and she finds out the outcome, that's it. Like, you don't hear anything else about it like why were you feeling nauseous why were you feeling this or that it's kind of like where did that come from were you sick were you just having a bug like they kind of didn't address it yeah but I think I mean I think though once you kind of like with any story like with any show that kind of had a pregnancy scare storyline like it's never really brought up again it's always just the fact of like I feel like when they have a pregnancy scare, it's always, like, a character who didn't expect to have it. And then they're like, oh, well, maybe I do actually want a kid. Or, like, maybe, like, that always becomes the focus rather than, like, why they actually thought they were pregnant in the first place. So I feel like it just, that's, like, a TV thing. But, yeah, I feel like in normal life it'd be like, oh, well, why were you feeling like you could be pregnant? Like, let's go to a doctor. But, like, in TV that never happens. Yeah. Maybe it's just my medical knowledge. I'm like, you need to go to med and get yourself checked out because something's not right. Well, you're not right, going right. to med, but yeah, you need to go somewhere. <laughs> you need to go somewhere, not med, but yeah, not med. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Dawson encourages Brett to like go get a pregnancy test. And so Brett like finally was like, okay. Um, and she's like, but I don't want to go to med, literally, which is a good call because, you know, what is news? Spreads like wildfire. What is HIPAA? What is that? Uh, I'm telling you, like, Natalie would be so excited. She would probably call Antonio herself to congratulate him before Sylvie had even took the test. Yeah. Probably. Natalie would be like, oh, my God, I'm so excited for you and your baby. Well, yeah, Natalie would be like, here's all these recommendations for things I have for Sylvie. And Antonio would be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) She'd be like, here's the best doctor to go to. Here's the best prenatal vitamins to go. Here's the best stroller you can buy. Like, literally everything Natalie would have would be this, like, list of things you should buy. And Antonio would be like, what are you talking about? She'd, like, send out a tweet and be like, OMG, Brett's pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but anyway, so probably a good idea that she didn't go to med. Oh, definitely a good idea, and definitely she should not have gone to Lakeshore either. She couldn't have gone to any hospital in Chicago. Is Lakeshore even? Well, no, it is still a thing because I think we saw it at some point recently, didn't we? Yeah, with Brett's married man person that she hooked up with. Yeah, that was the season. Yeah, she can't go to Lakeshore either. 
Well, hence the reason so, she made Dawson drive all the way out of the district to go to a pharmacy. She was like, I'm not taking any chances. No, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. Gabby was such a good BFF in this case because she was like, med's the better place to go. And she was like, no. And Gabby's like, okay, pharmacy's better. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So at the pharmacy, Sylvie's like so freaked out that she can't even like take the test off the shelf and like put it on the counter. So Gabby, like you said, being the best like BFF is like, yeah, no. Um, like Sylvie like literally like runs out of the store and Gabby's like, you know, I just need to see if my husband knocked me up. Like... That's like the greatest quote ever. I loved that Dawson quote. Like, that was like spot on. I loved it. Oh my God, that was amazing. Just, uh, I love her. She was, this was like, she was a really good BFF in this episode. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, anyway, so back at the firehouse, you know, Brett hasn't taken the test or anything yet. But so they're at the firehouse. And when Bertonio is on their way out, for the second time because this is when they get the call that they go to the Borland's house so they run into each other so then Brett or Burgess is like I'm gonna go start the car and so Burgess leaves and so it's just Antonio and Brett in the hallway and Brett starts bawling like she can't keep herself together Antonio's like yeah I just didn't want to wake you up this morning like you look so cute he's like talking all like you know lovey-dovey to her and then Brett just starts crying he's like what's wrong and she's like I can't ah." she like literally can't get in the words out it's just like that sobbing uh but of course like before she can even tell him or try to get the words out to him like the alarm goes off and I was like Antonio was gonna be there for her if she had just gotten it out of her you know she just said the words like he totally would have been into it and then of course that we don't get to see that because anyway so I've then i've been so annoyed by the alarm in my life like usually the alarm goes off and i'm like all right call time but this time the alarm went off and i was like damn it yeah i was i was pissed um but then of course so the first part of episode one ends with the test being negative and so of course i like i knew it was gonna be negative like i knew that this was something that was getting hyped up and that I knew it was going to be Brett that was thought she was going to be pregnant. And I was pretty sure that the test was going to be negative. I don't, I couldn't have seen them actually going through with it. I feel Uh, like this was the Mr. Sprinkles storyline. Like it got so hyped up and so blown out of proportion that you knew you were going to be let down in the end. Yeah. I think Derek just gets really excited. Well, and Derek, I mean, he tweeted, he was like, for the record, I never said anyone was pregnant. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Like, you technically never said anyone was actually pregnant. You just said someone was going to buy a pregnancy test and, like, you know, whatever. And then it technically, I guess, was TV Guide that said someone was pregnant. So you, I guess, technically did never say anyone was pregnant, Derek. This but, is like, true. And I remember when he put out the, the whole pregnancy storyline, the first person I thought of was Herman's wife. I was like, No. Not again. We cannot handle another Herman baby walking around this world. Like, because that's who we've who we've seen had, you know, have a baby and they went through this whole, you know, issue. And I was like, are we doing this again? (laughs) Well, Herman also got a vasectomy. So, like, unless he never actually got that vasectomy, like, we could never have another. That doesn't always 100% work. Let me tell you that one. (laughs) Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I know it's not. But so, yeah. So, but I don't think they would go there again. But yeah, I just I knew it was gonna be hyped up. But anyway, so in the Brenna, second, are you? Do you mean to say that TV Guide exaggerated something? I know, I know. What? Never. Never. 
TV Guide would never do that. I know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So, and the second half of the storyline focuses on kind of the aftermath of, like, getting the pregnancy test and whatever. So, but before she even gets the negative result, um, Brett tells Gabby that, like, seeing Antonio be so good with, like, helping people in need, like, made her realize that, like, he'd be a good dad. And Gabby's like, well, maybe you might be thinking about this, like, too emotionally. And she's like, you know, why don't you, like, get the test results first? And then, like, we can talk about it. So then she okay, gets- wait, Can we talk about something here? Yes. Because we might need to wait until the end of the episode to, like, circle back here. But there was a lot of talk on the internet that a lot of people were like, Gabby doesn't want Sylvie to be with Antonio. Like, she doesn't want this. That's why she keeps trying to talk her out of it. And I'm like, well, I don't think I agree with that. I definitely, I don't agree with that. I can see where people that thought that saw Gabby hesitating, but I don't think it was about that. I don't know what I think Gabby was hesitating over. Um, Maybe I think she just was looking out for the best interests of both of them, like as, you know, Antonio being her big brother and Sylvie being like her best friend. I don't think it was that she doesn't want them to be together, and I don't think it was her being jealous over the fact that Brett might be pregnant. I just think it was her wanting that or Sylvie to be rational about it before, like, and not jump to conclusions. So we can see where people were reading, like seeing that Gabby was hesitating because I definitely agree with that, but I don't like that. I don't agree with what the fandom was saying about her hesitation. I think we need to also reference back to when Gabby found out she was pregnant because her and Matt's relationship was kind of on the rocks. They were having issues. He was doing kind of whatever. And, and so I think that kind of played out because that was kind of an emotional jump for her that I think when she's witnessing somebody else going through it, she's saying, look, let's not make an emotional decision. You need to clear your head because I think that's kind of what she went through, you know, with her and Matt having, because if I remember correctly, before she found out she was pregnant and Matt had come up to her and be like, look, I'm sorry. I want to, you know, fix everything. I want us to go back to being how we were. And then all of a sudden she's like, I'm pregnant. Whereas I think she's trying to give Sylvie from, keep her from getting that kind of emotional attachment when she needs to really take a step back and go, okay, if I am pregnant, I need to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And Wait. I mean, I think Gabby was just being a good BFF, like you said, Bryna, but there's got to be a little part of her that thinks it's a little awkward that, you know, Brett and her brother are dating. Bryna, you have siblings. Jessica, I don't know if you do, but I mean, if your best friend starts dating your brother, how would you feel? Awkward. <laughs> I think it'd be awkward. I mean, I, I'm picturing, yeah. I, it'd definitely be awkward. But, like, I think at this point, maybe I guess because they've gone through so much back and forth. Like, I feel like if Gabby felt awkward about it, like, that would have been something that was dealt with, like, last season. And it kind of was. Like, I felt like that's kind of already been dealt with. So, like, I don't feel like that's what this part is. Um, Like, it was dealt with last season, and then it was already dealt with, like, a little bit like, when we came back from, like, hiatus, like, in January. Um, so I feel like that part's already been dealt with. But I definitely think there's still – I mean, there's always going to be some, like, kind of awkwardness about with Gabby about Bretonio until they get their shit together. Yeah, because yeah. she's not going to want to hear all the personal details that you would normally get from a best friend due to the fact that it is her brother. I think she's going to kind of be like, okay, we need to set a boundary, which they kind of did where she's like, look – you guys are cool, but I, I I don't need to know the gruesome details. Yeah. Yeah. I 
think so, at this point, know. Gabby feels like you guys just need, you guys just need to like get your shit together. Like if you're gonna be together, be together, and like kind of like fandom. Like if you're gonna be together, be together. If you're not gonna be together, then don't be together, and that's okay. But like, just make up your damn mind. Yeah, which yeah. leads me into Sylvie finally makes up her damn mind and realizes that you know Sarah Molly's later, and Sylvie finally realizes that like I want to be with Antonio, like. You know, regard like obviously the pregnancy scare might have gotten me there, but like I realized like I don't want to keep fucking around and like just doing whatever. And so, you know, she sees him, she leaves Molly, she's like, I'm gonna go find Antonio. So she leaves Molly's and of course runs into him, and he's like, Oh, I can only stay for like a little bit. Um, and then but he tells her that someone at the dish, he's like, I don't want you to hear this from anyone else but me, you know, we run in the same circle, so like you're gonna hear it. But, like, someone at the district set me up on a blind date. And she's like, oh, okay. And, like, that's kind of, like, how the whole Bartonio stuff ends. But, like, dude, whoever set Antonio up on a blind date, not cool, bro. Ruzik, I bet it was you. Not cool, bro. (laughs) Not cool. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if I would trust Ruzik to set someone up on a blind date. It was definitely Ruzik or Atwater. He does not have a good track record. So if it's Ruzik, you know it's just going to downfall. You know it had to have been one of them, though. Ruzik or Atwater. And if it's Ruzik, you know she's not Antonio's type at all. (sighs) Yeah, I just, and I don't understand, though. I mean, I guess, like... Because the last time Antonio, like, they had a real conversation about it, you know, Sylvie said, like, I don't want to be serious. So, like, that's why he thinks it's okay that he can go on a blind date. Which he, I mean, you know, he has every right to go on a blind date. But, like, if he was just feeling the way he was when he was talking to Brett at 51 about, like, how cute she was in bed and, like, speaking all this cute lovey-dovey stuff. Like, I, if I was in Antonio's place, I wouldn't know if I'd want to go on a blind date because, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this other person. Like, it's not fair to the person you're going on a blind date with. To go with them when you're, I don't know. I just have a lot of feelings. But, like, I think more of my feelings come from, like, why can't, like, I understand, you know, we've talked about this a lot, like, with crossover relationships. Like, I understand that it's really hard with production schedules to, for a crossover to re- relationship to have, like, a really significant storyline. Like, they tried to do it with Severide and Aaron, and, like, it didn't really work out, which is why, like, with Platt and Mouch, like, they kind of just made it this, like, they're never going to really have any significant problems and they're just gonna be happy forever which is totally fine but like with Bretonio it's just like make up your mind like Mm -hmm. I just go one way or the other like I'm okay with like I mean obviously I really like Bretonio and I think they could make it work and they have really good chemistry and all the things but like I'd be okay if they said you know we had our time whatever but then don't go two episodes later and be like well we're gonna try this again yeah and it, I think that was probably one of the, one and one other, of the most heartbreaking scenes was just seeing her standing in the middle of the street knowing that her heart had just been shattered into, like, a million pieces on the ground. And I'm like, this is when we need to bring in, like, a fourth show. Again, can we bring in, like, Chicago Sanitation and bring the Street Sweeper? Because that girl is just standing there in a puddle of absolutely nothing. Like, she was so heartbroken. And I felt so bad for her. Yeah. 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 And it's just... All she had to do was, I mean, I think all she has to do is be honest with him and tell her that she wants to be with him and he will drop everything and be there for her. Right. It's literally, and that's the thing. It's not like it's coming from Antonio's side that like, I don't want to be with her anymore. Like he, this season at least, like last season's a whole different conversation because at last season it was Antonio didn't want 
to go there yet, and Brett was. But now they both realize that they do want to be together. They just haven't had the conversation. And I'm really curious if we're going to, like, I'm going to keep paying attention to episode descriptions because I'm really curious that that's something that's going to pop up. Like, if we're going to see John say it in another fire episode before the season's over. Because I think even if it's them having that conversation of, like, oh, I want to, you know, like, I don't want to be with you or whatever that conversation is, even if it doesn't end the way I want it to, I'm going to feel much better about the storyline because they had that conversation before the season's over. If we don't get another wrap-up to this Bretonio storyline, whichever way it goes before the season's over, it's going to really frustrate me just because of the fact that, like, they'll have dropped the storyline. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm wondering, too, is where they go with this because it would be a totally one Chicago thing of them to do to just act like it never happened and never touch on it again, but... right. You know, I don't Sylvie's... think fans are gonna let the fans are gonna let them never touch it again, mm-hmm. but like they might never touch it again this season. Right, right. And what was that scene at the very end with Gabby and Brett when she was like cleaning out her locker? Oh was yeah, she, yeah. Was she like cleansing herself of Antonio or yeah, something? Yeah, she had like sunglasses or whatever, and she's like Antonio. She's like Antonio gave these to me when we went to that like beach or whatever, and she's like I never want to see them any like again. And I'm like, dude. You're still in love with him. Like, you literally just said two, like, two scenes ago, like, you were in love with him. So, like, I don't believe, I refuse to believe that you actually are over him. Because you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I also just, I call back, though, to, like, in terms of, like, whether they're going to show Britannia again, I call back to the meet and greet with John and Kara at Con. Um, And, like, Kara making a remark. She's like, you know, I really wish we had scenes where we got to, like, actually talk more. And, like, talk about things. I'm like, yeah, I do, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that your, like, hookups have gotten really much better than that first awkward one. But, like, a conversation would be nice. Yeah. Like, for sure. For and, you sure. know, they recognize that. So, I don't know. I'll be paying attention to see if John Seda's names pop up in any episode descriptions. Yep. Because, yeah. Because we mm-hmm. know God knows we're never going to see it on PD. That's true. No, you're you're dead on when you say it's a purely a fire ship. Yeah. We've never seen it on PD. Nope. So. Nope, nope. Yeah. But anyway, that's all of Bretonio. Okay. So. We shall now talk about Stellaride because, uh, oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. Okay. So our very first clue about Stellaride being just a total gut punch in the feels was the previously on Chicago fire part as in maybe like five seconds into the episode because there was a clip of Anna in this part and my dumbass completely glossed over it I was like "Mm, okay moving on Gina come on how did you forget about that literally that's what like made me start crying I think since Kelly forgot about it I forgot about it because like that's the a whole minute. rant I'm ready to go on about the Kelly. But yeah. I feel like the minute that he hooked up with Hope, I was like, if he's going to forget about what happened last season, then I am too. <sighs> but like, I have, I don't know. I have my rant. I'm going to save it for the end once we get through the Anna stuff. But yeah, I'm going to save it oh, for man. once we get through that. Yeah. So Stella overhears Kelly on the phone and she's like, are you working a double shift? He's like, no, whatever. 
she basically or he, she leaves her gloves in Severide's car, so she goes to get his keys and his desk, and this is when she sees a letter on his desk. Now, once again, the letter says Springfield. I'm not even paying a ounce of attention. No alarm bells went off. Nothing like jogged my memory. I what? was like, Gina. Yeah, no. I know, Gina. What the hell? Yeah. At this oh. point, I was like, holy shit. I was, I, I was done. I was like, oh, my God. I also didn't – I mean, I think they did such a good job because, like, in the episode descriptions when it says, you know, like, Stella finds out something that, like, set rides up and hiding or whatever, whatever it says, something along those lines. I was like, I literally would have never thought it had to deal with Anna. Me either. But I'm no, glad I it mean- did. All the clues were right there, and it just went in one ear and out the other for me. I was like, whatever. And when when Stella went out to talk to him about it, which we'll get to in a minute, in my head, I was like, we're going to meet Mama Sev, aren't we? Like, <laughs> didn't even Gina. register. I know. Oh, I know. my God. Gina, you did not tell me this. Not my, not my brightest moment. Oh, my God. So funny. So Severide's outside manning the grill, which, like, he's grilling. I, I don't even know. It's like snowing buckets outside, and he's outside manning the grill. Is that a thing in Chicago? Is it not too cold for that? I feel like Derek tweeted something about it. I'm trying to see if I could. Oh, Derek. Yeah, he did tweet about why you put it in here. He's like, I walked by a Chicago firehouse last winter, and they were cooking barbecue out in the snow. I thought, yup. So I, I mean, guess that is something that happens. I'm trying to think about like how we do it down south, and it doesn't get that cold here, but nobody grills in the winter. Oh, we do. But I mean, in California, we have like no seasons. We have one. I think that's about it as most people. Yeah. California doesn't count. Um, Yeah. Nobody really grills. I mean, like at home, like nobody really grills out in the winter per se. But like, I mean, I guess like on a random warm day when it's like 60 degrees one day and then, you know, goes back to 30, like they might grill out. But yeah. Hmm. Jessica, is it always 80 degrees in California like all the time? No, that's a lie. That is such a lie. Like, I can walk outside right now, and I think it's, like, 50 degrees. <laughs> nice. Like, we've had, like, the weirdest weather. We've had rainstorms and rainstorms, and then, like, we'll have one day of, like, 80 degrees, and then it goes back to being, like, 50 degrees. And I'm like, you wonder why we all get sick over here? Because the weather is just absolutely crazy. Oh, but you're in North California, right? Yeah, even in Southern California, they're concerned of where they had the mudslides back in January. They're concerned yeah. they've evacuated everybody from there because the rain has been so bad that they don't want another erosion to happen. So and not all of California, actually, I don't think any of it, you know, the 365 days a year is 80 degree weather. Goodness. Goodness. When I was in L.A. back in February, I wore a tank top and it was amazing. And then I got back here to Texas and it was like 30 degrees. And I was like, I know. Take me back. But see, like, it could yeah. be 60 degrees, and because we're so acclimated to it, we're like, okay, we can wear tank tops. But I'm like, mm, I'm more of, like, live in my sweatshirt kind of thing. Like, I went to Springfield in January, and I was like, okay, I'm ready for the cold. Because I was like, I can handle it. I had no idea what I was up for. I went to my friend's house. I was like, I don't ever want to leave your house until I have to go back to the airport. It was that cold. <laughs> I was like, I can't hang. <laughs> So you basically had no desire to grill anything, did you? But we did. Actually, we did. We had burgers and hot dogs one night, and then we grilled uh, sausages the next night in the snow. It was snowing. Nice. Okay, so I guess that is a thing. For some people. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Severide's manning the grill, and good old Chief Grissom pulls up. Woohoo! Not, no, ew. 
So Grissom's like, I'm sorry that I was such a pain in the ass the last time you saw me and basically invites him to some like schmoozy shindig with higher ups or something or other. I don't even know. Severide says yes, but I think it's mostly just to shut him up. And so Stella comes out later on and this is when Stella points out that, you know, she saw the letter and she's like, I swear I wasn't snooping. You totally were, Stella. Don't lie. And that's okay. okay. Yeah, I guess so. But just admit, just admit it. Yeah, yeah. So she's like, do you just not think you can handle it? And Severide's like, very respectfully, he's like, maybe you should stay out of this. And like, I know most people would be like, that's rude. And, my, and I didn't think it was that mean. I was like, no, that's just Kelly being Kelly. Yeah, I didn't think it was yeah. rude at all. I mean, it's just Kelly being Kelly and the fact that he's not very open about his, how he's feeling. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just didn't th- I didn't think it was rude. I just thought, you know, that's Kelly. And I don't think Stella thought it was rude because she knows Kelly. So she knows that that's just him being closed off like he always is. Yeah. And so Stella responds in a very Stella way. And Stella's like, no, you can handle this. In fact, I'm going to. Like, yeah. perfect. Perfect. So the whole gist of it is that Severide helped get a nursery named after Anna in Springfield. <sighs> My heart. Oh, my heart. Yeah. My fucking heart. I this was crying my eyes out at that point. When they rolled up and I finally realized it was for Anna, that's when I was like, shut the front door. I'm going to cry. I don't understand like, how you didn't realize it beforehand, but. I know. I know. I didn't. I'm kind of glad I didn't, though, because it made the reveal, like, a lot more impactful, you know? Yeah, I guess. Um, so. But, yeah, it. I have a lot of Anna feelings. I mean, I'm going to go on my little rant here. But, like, yeah, I just think, you know, it made me really emotional because, you know, we've talked about it before. Like, I didn't really know how I was going to feel about Severide and Anna when it first started just because I was like, oh, this is going to be a circle for Severide again, yet again. Like, I'm over his circles. And, I mean, in the end, it was essentially another circle for Severide. But I think, you know, Severide, you know, it's hard because, like, Severide, Anna clearly meant a lot to Severide. You know, it wasn't about the sex with her. It was about the person that she was. And, you know, clearly she changed him. You know, he had a very, you know, she had a really big impact on her. And she, that relationship was just so different. And, like, it really has kind of annoyed me a lot that, like, Severide went through this huge thing last season with her. And we've literally never gotten it brought up again until now. And... Yeah, it just, I'm really glad that they did this. Like, I wasn't expecting it and it made me really emotional. But, like, a little reminder of the fact every now and then that Severide is a different person because of the simple fact that Anna was in his life wouldn't be that hard. Right. Well, and what really uh, yeah. ruined, like, that part for me, and it actually happens later on when he kind of brings up the Shay card without actually saying her name. Like, we got the two people in his life who, like, he lost, and it's just kind of like, why? Why did you have to do this? Like, mm-hmm. why are you doing this to us? As we all sit there with like boxes of tissues, like it was, it was rough. Yeah, and like yeah. up until that point, like I would have just assumed that Anna didn't actually mean any all that much to Severide, even though my gut said differently and that she did. And like, if you watch that, you can tell that like Anna made an impact on Severide. But just because of the simple fact that she never got brought up until the movie event, like I would have had no idea that she actually had an impact on him and that he's. Like, that she's someone he's constantly thought about. Because she has. Like, I mean, clearly, he's kept in touch with her dad. Like, 
he got, you know, he did whatever he needed to do to, like, set this in motion. And, like, yeah. And it also just breaks my heart the fact that, like, she meant so much to him that, like, he didn't even want to go there and see the work that he did because just I feel like seeing her name was going to bring up all these things. Like, just seeing her name on that wall, like, was going to bring up all these emotions and feelings and thoughts and whatever that, like, he didn't want to go to that place. So, like, mm-hmm. clearly he didn't even want to deal with that. And that, I think, says a lot, too. Well, but... I wish we would have got the storyline between him and her dad. Like, I think that would have been a really great closure as a fandom that he is still somehow keeping in touch with part of her. Like, yeah. I think that would have been a great storyline to incorporate, at least in, like, the first half when it was just after. Like, we needed something, and that would have been a great something to give us. Yeah, I would have much rather have had that than him hooking up with Hope. Like... Yeah, and especially just because we've, I mean, Gina and I have always talked about how complex of a character Severide is. And so at the surface level, yes, he might just keep hooking up with girls and whatever, but like he is such this like emotional, complex character that like even just like an episode, like it didn't need to be like three or four episodes of him dealing with the Anna stuff, but like just one episode in those first six would have been like a huge. You know, I don't know what I'm, the word I'm looking for is. But, like, and I think especially after the way season five ended with the cliffhanger and, you know, Match's whole thing of, like, life's too short, whatever, like, that could have brought up more Severide feel. Like, there could have been a whole lot of different ways they could have brought up Anna again. And so, like, it just really bothers me that, like, it literally took, like, 17, 18 episodes, if you go back to, like, season five, for her to get brought up again. Yeah. I Yeah, I mean, with that said, though, I guess... And this is, I guess this is where I kind of fill in the white space for myself is that, you know, it has been so painful for him to revisit that. And it is so painful for him to, you know, let all those feelings resurface that that's why we haven't seen it. That's kind of, that's kind of my take on it. I guess that's my way of like rationalizing it in my head is like, that's why we haven't seen any of it is because it's just too painful for him. Yeah. I, I mean, and I understand that too. Um, and I understand that obviously like an entire, you know, He's it's an ensemble show, so like it can't be dedicated to that. But it also kind of bugged me. I saw a couple people on Twitter talk about the fact that like, oh, Anna was just this like stepping stone essentially to like get to Stellaride. Which at the grand scheme of things, like in like if you look back over the seasons that Stella's been around, yes, like I understand that like Anna is technically a stepping stone, but Severide is the only reason I feel like Severide can be in like a real relationship or whatever kind of relationship we're gonna see with Stella is because of the fact that Anna is the one who, like, opened him up to that idea. So, like, you can't ignore the fact that, like, Anna is what allowed – Anna is the reason that, like, Severite is the person he is and can be in this relationship with Stella. Like, you just can't ignore that, that, like, it was not just a stepping stone. Like, it is a big part of Severite's life. I also think that it has to do with Shay because, I mean, as a fandom from somebody who's watched from the beginning, you know that no matter what, she will always be the one person that he will truly love no matter what, hands down, you know, backwards and forwards. But I think he, when the relationship was kind of blossoming with Anna, you kind of saw him kind of treat her the way that he treated Shay. And to me, I never saw that with Stella. Like, Stella was a different kind of relationship for him. Thank you. And it's not a bad relationship, but I think it's somebody who, when Stella and I first got together, you know, 
many moons ago when we never saw it, when he showed up at her house, you know, with flowers and drunk and acting like an idiot, you know, I think to him, and that was before Shay, so that I think is his, his passion, his love, and that may be his one true love, but I think what we see now is a stemming of putting those three relationships together, and that's who Kelly is today. It's part of how he was with Stella, how he was with Shay, and how he was with Anna, and that's who we're seeing Kelly as a person today. Yeah. Nice. That's a good point. Yeah, I just, I don't like the fact that it gets glossed over, because I agree that, like, it's a bigger part. It's much more of obviously a bigger part than, like, Brittany, even though they were technically married and, like, all that stuff. Like, it's Shay, it's Anna, and it's Stella. Like, when you talk about, yeah. So, like, I just, I don't know. It just kind of bugged me. I mean, like I said, I'm glad that we got this because, like, that's way more than I was ever expecting to get. But, like, yeah. I don't know. To me, like, I totally write Brittany off because if Shay wouldn't have died, he never would have met her. Like, to her, and it's really sad that I call her, like, the obsolete character of Kelly's life because she did nothing for him. She just made him turn into be, I think, a bigger player than what he was when when Shay was around. Like, he went from being, like, okay, a random hookup here that after he married her and then told her, like, you need to go back home, I feel like he went downhill, like, even faster than what he was previously. Well, I thought she kind of helped him get over his grief. Yeah, I think she did a lot for him, but, like, not in a romantic way. Mm, maybe. I think she, yeah, I think she helped him get over his grief. I just don't, obviously, they were never meant to be, like, romantically. But I think she did a lot for him, like, emotionally. I also don't think Severide was himself when he was married to Brittany. Yeah, that too. That too. But yeah, so it's just, I don't know, like I said, it's more than I, I'm glad that we got it. I, you know, like I said, it was more than I thought we were going to get. And it was definitely not the secret that I thought was coming from the episode description. But I still, you know, just need to get on my Anna rant. You know what else kills me about this, though, is, and it goes back to, you know, Kelly doesn't, Kelly doesn't, he's not open. Well, he is emotional. That's the thing, too, is that he is an emotional guy. But in this case, he buries it. But like. In this case where he buries all of his feelings about Anna, we still see that he has got the biggest heart underneath all of that for him to go. Yeah, for him to, like, be proactive and take the steps necessary to get this named after her. He has the biggest heart. Yeah. Yeah. Pulls me. He really does. Uh, Severide is without a doubt my favorite fire character. Like, without a doubt. Love it. So they're in the car on the way back from the ceremony and Stella just says, she's like, you know, if you ever need someone to support you, I'm your girl. Cut to like the whole fandom just like dying of feels. I did. I totally did. (laughs) Yeah. Just the cutest. Um, And then somehow Stella talks him into going to get milkshakes. And so they do. And it's adorable. Yeah. It's cute. And that's basically how the first hour ends. So... Then we go into the second hour and I mean, we're going to fill in the gaps here in a minute. Oh boy, are we going to fill in the gaps? So don't worry. But at the call, the call that we're going to get into in a few, uh, you know, of course, Otis and Kid go and clear this room and, you know, there are gunshots going off. And so Bowden forbids 51 from going in until the shooter's contained. And so, you know, Cruz is freaking out because Otis is inside, but Severide's freaking out because Stella's inside. 
So Severi literally says, because Bowden's like, nobody goes in until we get the shooter contained. And so in the screener, I swear to God, he said, fuck this. But on the episode, he goes to hell with this and runs in. And like, it's literally like right after Bowden's like, nobody goes in. And Severi's like, oh, yeah, well, fuck that shit and just go. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, obviously, Severide goes in. He finds Stella and that happens. And so once Stella is cleared at med, Stella comes out. And they just kind of look at each other and they're about to have what is probably like the most epic hug in fire history. And Bowden just like completely shuts it down. Bowden cock blocked Kelly. I'm sorry. And that made me so angry. I was like, dude, you ruined it. What are you doing? I've never, I I don't know. I, the only time I've ever been mad at Bowden was when he let Jimmy's brother go back into the fire. But this time I was a little bit mad at him as well. This is probably the second time I've ever been mad at Bowden. I was like, you just did that. That's not cool. I never would have taken Bowden as a person yeah, because he knows pissed. there's going to be a moment because everybody can see it. And he was like, I'm going to cock block you. I'm taking rank. And we're like, no, you're not the one who's supposed to cock block. I could see if it was like Matt or somebody else. But Bowden, really? Come on. I mean, I get it. Bowden was just not having any of Severide's shit. But like, bro, that was about to be a really epic reunion. Not cool. Not cool. That was like a moment like Stella was like walking towards him. And then you see Bowden like jump into the frame. You're like, no, move, move, move. Get out of the way. Not cool. So basically, Bowden is pissed, pissed. And so he's like yelling at, not yelling at Severide, but he's like, are you the ranking officer in this house? And Severide's like, no, chief, I'm not. It's also worth noting in this scene, like, holy Severide eyes. This is that moment where the camera catches him and it's like, in your face, Severide eyes. They're just beautiful. They get me every time. I know. They're beautiful. Just beautiful blue eyes. I can't handle it. But the operative moment here is when Bowden says, what were you thinking when you ran into that building? Severide takes a minute. And like those gorgeous blue eyes are like right there. And he starts tearing up and he says that I can't go through this again. Fuck me up, y'all. See, this is like one of my like, I think, favorite scenes in fire history. Like, yeah, I I can't even. Yeah. Yeah. It it takes everything back into perspective. It's just kind of like, you know, as the series has progressed, you don't tend to remember that Kelly has gone through a lot. He lost his best friend. And, you know, it's like, yeah, it's part of the job. You lose people all the time. But when you see the kind of relationship that they had outside the firehouse and then it gets brought back into perspective like three seasons later, it just it pulls you all back into probably what drew a lot of people to Chicago Fire. Because I remember that after that cliffhanger the next season, like their rankings went up really high because everybody wanted to know who survived, who, you know, and all. It just, it brings it all back to kind of what I feel Chicago Fire began as was a group, a tight-knit group. And it really sucks that it takes a tragedy to kind of bring everybody back together and and tight-knit, but it, it has to happen sometimes. Yeah. Just, just the scene. I know. I'm never going to be okay after that. I know. And we haven't heard him play the shake card in a long time, so... And I think yeah. it just even was even that more impactful because of like not only the shake hard, but also literally what you just like he just said about Anna. 
like the whole Anna stuff that happened in episode one and like with the Stella stuff and like Stella being, you know, someone he also really loves and in a more romantic sense, like Anna versus like Shay. And so I think literally going off of that too, it's like, I don't want to lose the girl that I love. Like not even just as a friend, someone I care about, but as someone who could be like the love of my life. Like, mm-hmm. so like literally it was like, you get the Shay card mainly, but also like the Anna card of like the fact, like the romantic side. So yeah, you get the like double card there. And it's just like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's oh god, a lot. it's a lot. But then, um, Severi kind of not really like apologizes, but kind of apologizes later. And Bowden just says a lot of good stuff. Bowden, one of one of the things that he says that I love is he's like, you know, that heart of yours, it's a strength, it's not a liability, and that's like Bowden. Damn, that's like deep and perfect. Mm-hmm. So, but he also just reminds him, he's like, you know, duty comes first. So, you know, I think even Bowden was like, I get that you love her, but bro. Part of me wants to knit Bowden a Yoda hat and like have him wear it around the firehouse because he always comes up with the best like uplifting powerful quotes and you're just like damn. A Yoda hat. <laughs> Bowden should have been that life coach not Herman. Yes. Yeah. Although Herman does give some great monologues every now and then but like it should have been Bowden. That's fantastic. I love that so much. So Later on, you know, throughout the second half of the episode, Casey is kind of clocking all of the Stellaride interactions. He's just kind of in the background of every Stellaride moment being like, what's happening here? Okay, got that. So he brings it up to Severide later. He's like, you know, I heard Bowden chewed you out. And Severide's like, can we please not? And Casey's like, I understand there's like no training that can prepare you for you know when somebody you love is stuck inside a burning building and the camera cuts over to Gabby and Stella oh it's so perfect just so good and so Severide's like I told you we're not like that and Casey's like oh I know but he said he's like that feeling that connection it's not going to go away because you don't want it to be there so the very last scene it ends and they're at Molly's and Stella is like doing inventory or something and Stella's finally like, can you just, like, cut the shit and tell me what you're feeling? And instead of telling, Stella ride, Stella rises. Yes, finally. <laughs> and, yes, freaking finally. And, yeah, they that happens. And, um, yeah, I just, the only thought I had during this, I was like, they're finally happening. But they're going to bang there on the bar? I'm telling you, Gina, I've been telling you this for, like, the last week. Dossie has definitely had sex on that bar. It make, and it's funny, is the first thing that popped into my head when watching that, I was like, remind me if I ever go there not to sit there. Like, it wasn't even the fact that they were together. It's like, I need to avoid that spot right there. Like, move down a chair. <laughs> we definitely sat there. Like, mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely sat it, there. Um, was it Randy who tweeted and was like, hey, we drink there? Yeah. Well, and then Otis, like, and then, like, Yuri was like, oh, hey, I work there. Like, they all had something funny to say about, like, oh, yeah, I drink there. Like, oh, I work there. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm happy they're finally happening, but, like, that can't be comfortable. And, of course, my first, like, I've said this when we were Skyping. I was like, of course Stella's not wearing a bra. Like, there was no bra to take off. Like, of course she's not. Like, just, of course it just so happened to be that she's just wearing a sweatshirt and no bra. Like, Come on now. Just, yeah. And they didn't even lock the door. Right? Right, Yeah. Ashley was like, "Uh, are they going to lock the door? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm really happy that Stella, you know, like the slow burn's finally over. I think 
I'm going to be curious to see how these next couple episodes go with, like, them supposedly being all happy lovey-dovey this coming week. And then, like, um, Severide's mom coming in. And then, um, you know, Severide's dad's coming in. Like, all those, like, I'm curious to see how this relationship goes. Because I think part of the reason why, like, and I've said this before, that, like, I can't fully get on board with Stellar yet is just because... Like, we've never really officially seen Severide in, like, a committed, like, long-term relationship. So, for me, I just have such a hard time grasping that. And so, and I've always, you know, I've said this before, that, like, I see Stella as a little bit more of a Shay rather than, like, an Anna. But, like, I'm definitely glad that that happened. That scene was very great. Like, everything they had in this episode was really good. So, like, I'll just be curious to see if I, like, do start to turn the tables kind of all out what's happened with me with med and manstead this season like if i do eventually turn the tables because i'm definitely open to being like on the stellar ride ship train well and I'm didn't miranda like do an interview not that long ago where she was like stellar is never gonna happen like she yeah was kind of, it was yeah, kind that of was like the, uh, were you just trying weekly. to throw us off the scent or are you giving us a, a look into Hint. what's happening in the future like right yeah she made it seem like stella's kind of over so yeah i don't know uh, yeah. That's what I'm wondering here is like that hookup could not have been the sole payoff because this was the slowest burn of all time. Right. And I think like, with Renee coming back in, I think it's going to bring up an obstacle, even though she's not technically coming in as a love interest. I think it's still going to throw everything for a loop. She's going to be around for a co- like, I think at least three episodes. Like, come on. You like, never know, though. I mean, look what she did to Kelly, where she, like, ghosted him and then came back, was like, I'm pregnant. Oh, and then, like, an episode later, it's not yours. You don't need to worry about it. Like, yeah, like, I'm just saying, like, for someone who's supposedly going to be around for three episodes, like, you can't tell me that, like, that's not going to have a hit on Stellaride. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm just going to be around for one episode. She's going to be around for at least three is what I think I read. So, like, come on. I feel like every time a new female comes in to Severide's life, it's always at least implied that she's going to be somewhat of, not a love interest, but more of a fuck buddy. But it goes back to what we were just talking about. Has Severide changed enough to the point that that won't be the case? You know, and I'd like to think that. Like, I'd like to think that because his relationship with Anna wasn't like that, you know, wasn't about sex. Like, we never saw them really have any sexy time like it was just about the connection and about this person and about love but like then it obviously you go right to the beginning of season six and it's all about hope and it's all about hope being a fuck buddy because he's not ready to go there yet so like I don't know was hope enough of a rebound that like he can now be there for Stella or is Stella gonna still kind of be considered a rebound like I don't know I feel like they're not going to play it into a rebound because they do have so much of a history. But at the same time, I'm kind of hoping for this Renee storyline that she comes in and she makes note of how much he has changed since they were last together. And I think that would be great for the fandom because then they can go, you know what? He really has changed from the person that he was when he was with her. And I think that would be a great gradual kind of, you know, movement into maybe a longer Stellaride storyline or if they're not going to work out to give Severide someone who he can actually settle down with and be, you know, the Dossie of, you know, Severide's life. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's, I guess that's been the whole, my whole, like, thing about this whole Stellaride thing is, like, 
they can't just build this up to have it fizzle out. Like, what is the point of having the slow burn, having Stella so, like, vetted to be with Severide? There's got to be a bigger point to that. So I would like to think that this isn't going to be something that, you know, Renee can come in and derail in three episodes. I'm hoping that it's, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I hope for Severide's sake, you know, Severide, you know, as my favorite character, like, I hope that for his sake, it's not. Like, I hope for his sake that, like, Stella is the love of his, you know, like romantically the love of his life and that, you know, it's all great. And then obviously eventually they're going to have ups and downs. But like, I hope that's like later on in season seven. Like, I Mm -hmm. hope that like this works out. But like, I feel like until I see that, like, I can't get on board with it. Just because Severide has so many circles and it's literally been every season, sometimes multiple times a season. Like, I just fully can't get on board with Stellaride until I see, like, until it's proven to me. Yeah. But, you know, happy for all the people who are already on the Stellaride train because, like, it's been a long time coming. Amen to that. So. And I can appreciate, Mm -hmm. like I said, I can appreciate how good the slow burn has been and how good this was. Yeah. So. For sure, for sure. So that's about it for Stellaride. I mean, goodness. Goodness. <laughs> that's all I can say. So now we've got to get into the, you know, the bulk of the second hour, the part that just killed us all. And I titled this in the outline. I didn't even say it's like Otis. I just said, why? <laughs> like I know. So And like knowing but- it was coming, even because, you know, if you've listened to us like the last like couple of weeks, you know that I put all the pieces together. I was like investigative PI Bryna like over here like putting all the pieces together but like I was not prepared for it even though I knew it was coming not at all Bryna will you get us started here yeah so um in episode this is episode one when they like they arrive for a ship that wasn't episode two was it no I think it was episode two I don't even know um well so are we not going to talk about the whole slam again stuff we can if you want to. I I didn't really put it in because it was just kind of, you know, I think it was more for comedy's sake in the first hour. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, slam again happens. Like, they're trying to make it a thing. Um, you know, we'll see if they actually bring it up again. I'm sure they will because it seems to be, like, now what's going on. Um, but, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, episode two, um, or the second half starts. And Cruz and Otis and Herman arrive for shift. And Otis is still going on about how it's infantil... I cannot even say that word. Infantilizing. Yeah, infantilizing. Um, that they still call him Otis. He's like, I really want to go by Brian now. Like, whatever. But then, of course, cut to Connie asking, like, coming in and being like, who ordered the Doctor Who Lego set? And then Otis has to be like, that was me. Okay, I, I'm probably the only one who talks Doctor Who, right? You guys don't? I don't, but I know enough about it. Jessica? Uh, no. Mm-mm. No, okay, that's, yeah. So that came up, and I was like, well, of course Otis is a Whovian. That makes all the sense in the world, well, I, but. Yeah, it, I even, I don't even watch it, and I know that, like, of course it makes sense that, like, Otis yeah, is Yeah, of course it makes sense. So then I'm like, I'm over here wondering, I'm like, I wonder who his favorite doctor is. I wonder this, I wonder that. And so I don't, I haven't met any other Chicago Fire people who talk Doctor Who. So, um yeah, I yeah. If I don't you're out know. there, send Gina your theories. She'd love to talk yeah, about me, what Otis yeah. would like. She'd like to have a like Otis Doctor Who conversation where you are like One Tree Hill and Casey conversation. So like if you talk right. Doctor Who, hit her up. I totally yeah, 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 was taking sure. Otis as a Game of Thrones fan. Like he just totally looked to me like a Game of Thrones fan. 
I was oh, not he's probably expecting a, fan of a Doctor Who fan. Oh, I'm sure he and Cruz and Brett have totally binged Game of Thrones. Like, they probably throw big parties every Sunday night when it comes on. Like, oh, for sure. You know that that's the case. What house is Otis then, Jessica? Oh. I'm not even I'm not even sure if I could put him Oh, that's a hard one. I'm not sure if I could really like pinpoint. If I had my friend here, he would be like, oh, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> oh, my friend is like ride or die Game of Thrones. He could like look at somebody and be like, "You, I know." <laughs> I've seen the first 3 seasons, so I have like a functioning knowledge of that. But yeah, oh, they totally binged Game of Thrones every Sun or yeah, every day or every Sunday. Yeah, Gina, I, I totally was gonna know. say that like I had no idea you talked Game of Thrones, so like I've no, never I seen only it. talked the first three seasons, and the only thing I could say about the Red Wedding is that they totally had it coming. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Oh, I thought you talked Game of Thrones. You don't? No, no, never seen a single episode. Okay, well, yeah, I, I only speak seasons one through three Game of Thrones, and I don't speak it that articulately. So, is that a word? Articulately. Close enough. That just happened. I just made that a word just now. Close enough. But yes, of course, Otis is a Whovian. If I had to guess, I would say that he he's probably old school and his favorite doctor is like probably something from like one through eight or something. But that's just me speaking Doctor Who. Anyway, so and of course, that's another instance where we do get to see Connie. And that was the other thing, too, was that I mean, during the Slamigan um thing in episode one you know she didn't even say anything she just handed them a fax and her face was just so great yes so she yeah yeah. she was a big part of this two-hour movie so yeah thanks for connie yeah Yeah. um okay so then of course everyone in 51 gets a call so cut to this totally innocent house fire right no not at all so everyone goes in or starts going in or whatever. A lot of people had gotten out at this point. But, of course, Otis and Kid go into this bedroom. And Otis, like, says something and then, boom. You literally just hear shots fired. Everyone else at this point had, like, made it out for their first go-round. So they're all outside. And then, you know, shots are fired. Terrible things just, like, start happening. And it's just, like, awful. Because Otis goes down first and then Kid. And then it, like cuts to black at least on you know we at least like when we saw it the first time we we didn't have to like wait for it to cut to black we just got to see it go through but like it on you know on tv it like cuts to black and it's like oh shit like Mm -hmm. what is happening um but then so when it comes back from that like kid you know wakes up or whatever and comes back to her like senses you know she realizes that otis has been shot in the neck and yeah and she got lucky she did get shot but her the bullet that was like gonna hit her hit her walkie talkie thing that like goes across her chest because if that hadn't been blocking it it probably would have hit, I mean hit her in like the heart or like hit yeah. her in the chest but she was lucky that it hit that and so like she was fine I mean besides getting a little beat up and thrown around like she's fine um so kid does what she needs to do saves Otis's life like they eventually have to get him out through the window because they can't without, you know, again, threat of getting shot again, like get him down the stairs, even though they totally could go down the stairs otherwise. Um, So they get him, they like put the ladder up against the window and on one of those basket things, they end up taking him out through the window. And so Gabby and Brett are treating him and it's just like very heartbreaking, you know, because they're around him. But then of course, 
like all of 51 is just like around him and Cruz especially Cruz is like uh, like cry it's just like oh. they yeah. really yeah. put Cruz through the ringer between the end of last season and now with Otis like everything is just it's bad for him like he was gonna lose Mouch and then he was gonna lose Otis it's like what are you doing to poor Cruz but like right. Joe kills it every time, and that's why I think they they know they know that like if they need that like emotional impact of something, it's gotta affect Cruz because Joe's gonna kill it every time. Right. So like, yes, Cruz goes through the ringer, but it's just because they know Joe Minoso is gonna act the hell out of it. So like, yeah, um, Cruz just deserves to be happy. Yeah, he really does though. And yeah, so Cruz is like, stay with us, Otis. And then, like, of course, Derek, why the fuck are you doing this to us? Like, it hurt. It hurts. Just the whole thing. And they dragged out that scene, too. When Gabby and Brett are treating him, they dragged it out as long as they could for, like, maximum emotional impact. It was just the saddest. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I mean, Derek even talks, you know, said on Twitter, like, that's, like, the lot, like, that whole first part with, like, the fire and, like, the whole just, like, going from one scene to the other, like, that's the longest time they've gone on fire without going to commercial break just because there was so much to get through. So, like, they do it without a... Like, when I was taking my notes, I was like, why does this seem like it's gone on a lot longer than, like, other, you know, sections? I was like, oh, and now that you mentioned it... And like, they, do, they don't even go, at least from my understanding, we weren't watching right as, like, the hour shift from, not, from the 9 o'clock hour to the 10 o'clock hour. Like, we were pretty close. We were, like, 10.05, but we weren't that close. Um, and so, but apparently it didn't even go to, like, an end episode kind of thing. It was just, like, you know, straight into it. Which I also think it's interesting, too, because, like, the way they've put it up on Hulu and stuff is, like, as two separate episodes. Um, but that's not how it's shown. To, like, that wasn't how it was shown to press the screeners. Like, the screeners, it was literally an hour, 30 minutes, or however long it ended up being. It was So it was just straight through. It wasn't two separate episodes. But on Hulu and stuff, it's put up as two separate episodes. Well, and, like, so, like when I watched it, because I DVR'd it and watched it on Friday, you never got an opening sequence for the second hour. It just played right through. So I actually had to, like, look down at my phone and, like, have we reached the second hour? And we were already, like, well into it. I had no idea. Yeah. And I think that's why yeah. I think that's why this movie event was so well done. And like, I think it makes sense from that. But like, if you're gonna ever go back and binge Chicago Fire for the first time, it's not gonna make as much of a sense. Like, I mean, I think they I didn't watch up until the very end of the credits of the first hour, because at that point, I already knew it would happen. But I think they do put a message being like, this is something about the movie event or whatever. But like, otherwise, you probably are gonna have no idea that they were shown back to back at like the same time for like I two was hours. fast forwarding through the commercials so if it did it through the commercials I never would have known <laughs> no but I think they only have done it on Hulu because I was watching it on Hulu this morning and that's when they did it. it I don't they didn't do it as far as I know when it actually aired they just played it straight through yeah on Amazon that's how I I, I watch it after it airs through Amazon and the second the first hour ends with Stella and Severide getting milkshakes and it picks up in the second episode with Brett taking the pregnancy test oh interesting yeah interesting. so yeah 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 but anyway so yeah so everyone's you know like stay with us Otis whatever they finally get him back enough to like obviously take him to med but like he's still not like it's still very touch and go um so when they're at med you know toy comes out and was like the bullet missed all the important places, but it did wedge itself between the C1 and C2 vertebrae in the neck. And so obviously the most important piece of information here is just like 
how close the bullet is to the spinal cord. Like, Choi says, you know, it, you know, obviously it missed the heart and all those things, and, like, he can make, you know, eventually a likely, what is likely a full recovery, but, like, it's very close to the spinal cord, and if it moves just, like, a tiny centimeter, like, it can be bad, and obviously it can be paralyzed. But this is a very important piece of information because it comes up later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So Lily, of course, is there, and she's freaking out. Um, and Choi says, you know, he's not awake yet, but he can, people can go, like, a couple, like, two people can go see him. So Lily goes, of course, and she asks Cruz, and Cruz is like, yes, like, of course I want to go, which obviously, she's like, oh, of course, the two most important people in Otis's life are going first, because why not? Um, so they come back after seeing Otis for the first time to find out that Petey is releasing the son who is the one who had all these bullets and stuff in the house and is the reason that they kept getting shot at. So he gets released because there's no crime to hold him on. Like, it's not a crime necessarily that he has all of this stuff in his house. And, like, it wasn't his, like, he didn't shoot the gun himself. Like, it just started going off. No, and don't so, they make reference that he had everything legally? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they make reference to that. So, like, it's not like the son took the shotgun or whatever kind of gun it was and, like, started shooting. Like, there was no reason for him to, you know, be held. But, of course, the son rocks right past all of 51 and Cruz just start yelling. And, you know, he's like, you have blood on your hands. Like, you're never going to, you know, you're going to see the light of day at some point. Like, all this stuff. It's just like, Wow. Of course, the son had to walk right past all of 51. I'm just going to take a guess that in the least safe hospital in the United States, a.k.a. Chicago Med, there's no other exit. Oh, no. Right? Like, I know hospitals have other exits. You don't have to walk them in and out of the ED. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Nope. But it's... Med is literally the least safe hospital in the U.S. Yeah. And can I just point out that I just, was actually really impressed at how they had Lily's character handle the whole Otis situation. Because I, I was expecting if they were going to include her that she'd be like this huge mess, like not being able to handle herself. And she was really composed. I was really actually, I liked that they did that with her character. Like she was, she took almost like the adult role, even though she's an adult, but normally you start to panic when things like that happen and she totally was like cool calm and collective like i know what needs to be done he doesn't need someone to panic he just needs someone to be there right well and she recognizes the fact that like she can't be the one who is just like obsessed and like has to hang on him all the time because like she recognizes in like cruz like when cruz wants to have a moment with him and like say stuff to him or whatever like she steps out of the room and like lets cruz have its moment and that's just, like, a very mature way to go about it, even though you are grieving and, like, you're very upset and that's okay. But, like, yeah, she definitely handled it in a very mature way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So then Otis wakes up and everyone's like, thank God he did. But then Cruz, later on in the episode, Cruz is still, like, beside himself and he still feels like, I think at some point, that it's his fault. And so Cruz, we see Cruz in the chapel at bed, and he's talking to the father of the son, you know, the father that they pulled out of the fire. Um, and there's just the one line that I think even now is more poignant than ever is just there's this line, this, you know, tomorrow is never for sure. And so that's why Ugh. Cruz has to, like, move on and whatever. But, like, now that we know about Dushan and every, like, it's just even that much more heartbreaking. And and what I liked about that is Joe had tweeted, I'm not sure if it was during the episode or after, and somebody had asked about, hey, was that the same church that you were in in season, was it season one or season two? 
And he goes, it's not the same church, but if in reference, I was sitting in the same pew in the same seat. Which I thought that was really cool that they kind of tied that in. Like, you know it wasn't going to be the same church because he was in a hospital. But it was just kind of nice that they did put him in the same row, in the same seat, and kind of were pulling in other seasons. Nice. Yeah. I wonder if that was a Joe decision. Probably. I feel like that's a Joe decision. That, like, Joe... Like, Cruz, you know, has his spot that, like, he feels like that is his spot, that, like, that's the only place God can hear him from. And as someone who is very, you know, into his religion, it seems, and, you know, is very, you know, into praying and, you know, using God as a way to kind of deal with things that, like, of course, it makes sense that for Cruz, like, it has to be the same spot, the same seat, even if it's not the same church, like, it has to be that part of the church. But I definitely think that was probably a Joe thing. I love that. I love that. But yeah, that tomorrow's never for sure. That like when I rewatched it for like the fourth time last night. Ooh. Um it, yeah, it, after the second one I was like I can't do it anymore. Like it just hurts. Um but yeah, when he said that when I watched it last night I was like, "Oh my god. Yeah. This is just so sad." Because I mean literally this episode aired on Thursday and we lost Dushan on Friday. Yeah. It's it's just yeah, that line, like, personified right there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the son tries to kill himself. Um, he tries to suffocate himself in a car in a garage while it's running. And, yeah. And Squad gets called out. And Squad ends up, you know, getting him out. And he ends up living. And But Cruz talks to him and is like, you know, I understand, you know, you weren't trying to do it on purpose. Like, it's, you know, that part's okay. But, like, you've got to, you know, you've got to be there for your family. And you've got to, like own up to the consequences um you know you can't just take like the coward's way out and so i had so much respect for cruz like in that moment he could have easily been like you know you did what you did and i'll never forgive you for it you know this is on you but he totally like 180 shifts and he's just like this is not the way to do it dude like life is worth so much more you know don't let this you know, stop you from being the person who you want to become. And I was like, I like that shift that Joe made. Normally you don't get to see a character do that complete 180 in one episode. It normally takes a couple episodes. It's just nice to see that Cruz put everything aside and cared for the patient or the person as a patient and not as someone who almost killed his friend. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And it was literally like that shift happened in like one scene. Yeah. And I yeah. and I uh, remember when uh, they pulled up to the house, I actually thought it was going to be the dad because the dad had so much guilt for what his, you know, what had happened. I was like, is this going to be the son or is it going to be the dad? Like I wasn't 100% sure who was going to be in that car. Right. Yeah. Right. Um so then the last scene of the episode kind of where the cliffhanger that it leads off on is so Otis and Lily and Cruz are at the hospital and Otis, you know, they're having a great moment. Otis is awake, whatever. Um, and then Toy comes in to check on Otis, and Otis, he does this test on, you know, Otis's feet, and Otis doesn't really react or whatever, and Toy's like, and they're like, is any, everything okay? And Toy's like, you know, it'll be okay, like, you know, we just need to run a couple more tests, um, but we can all tell, you know, as the audience, like, we can all see that, like, it's clear Otis can't feel his legs after surgery, and so it leaves us up in the air with this question of, is Otis paralyzed? Like what's gonna happen um which if you've seen the promo photos for this coming week's episode 
probably not the case. Well, and also, you know, we just had a family member who was going through some medical things and after they came off of anesthesia, and I never knew this, you know, you get stroke-like symptoms. So losing feeling in your legs and your feet is actually really common after coming off a deep anesthesia, which I am almost certain that that's what they put him under was to pull, you know, they pulled him under a deep anesthesia. So that could just be a lingering side effect and not really have anything to do with, you know, the bullet that was at his spine. You know, it could just be a side effect. Yeah, no, there's definitely, I mean, yeah, definitely anesthesia has like makes you can, you know, you're not a hundred percent there yet. Um, right after for the like first kind of couple days after you come back from anesthesia. Um, but yeah, it's just, and also just kind of after this, like, we know Otis isn't going to be rushed back to the um, work anyway, because earlier, I think it's in the second episode. Yeah, it has to be in the second episode, obviously. But, like, they're going to assign a floater to his place on Trek while he comes back and heals from this. And that's where Damon Jayub's character comes in, this rugged man's man that we always <laughs> keep referencing. Um, so, yeah, that'll be – that's – next week and so we literally see in the promo Stella and the Severide kissing in the car and they almost run him over so that's a great introduction um yeah so yeah there are also I mean there are also some really good Crotus moments or like there's just some really good moments when when Otis wakes up too because the whole thing is about you know Otis is like he wants to be called Brian Cruz starts calling him Brian and then Otis is like the fuck are you doing yeah. yeah, yeah, and then that scene when um, when Herman says something, and then Otis goes, he's like, "Otis is fine." I was like, "Break my heart, why don't you?" Like, Otis is fine, but our hearts are not. Like, yeah, no, you can't tell me that. Um, this is not the best light bro TP. Like, oh, so right, so and so like great. I was reading a couple of like different pages on Twitter and stuff, and they're referencing like their favorite episode or their favorite scenes from the episode. I feel like the most underrated part of both hours was the moment when Otis wakes up and Cruz is there, and they just have that moment where Cruz just starts to cry, and he's like trying to get his words out. Like that to me is the most underrated scene of the episode. Like that needs so much more credit. Because it really personifies their relationship. Even though we don't get to see that emotional side of their relationship, like this is what it is and this is what it's come to. And I love that between them. Yeah. So good. So good. And then when like when Otis just cries and he just says, I just want to go home. I was like, I know. Oh. That killed me. Oh. I know. So sad. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I know the fandom was really worried when he couldn't feel his legs, but I just... After, I don't know, the promo photos for the next episode, like, you see everybody walking into the hospital and they're, like, super happy. So, I just, I think it's going to work out. I think it'll be okay. But the whole question going forward with this new guy, I think it's what, Cordova, I think is his name is. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Damon Dyer's like, character. That's all, that's the only yeah, name that I can remember right now. All we know is that he has history with Dawson. And I want to know yeah. what it is. I want to know yes. so bad. Well, I kind of want to go back to because they, Bryna, they said that this was the Fire Academy, right? Not when she trained to be a medic. Yes, I'm pretty sure that's what Derek said. She and Gabby were together, but were they? You mean her and Casey? Yes, I do that all the time. I know you do. Um, she and Casey, they were together. So, what is their history? I mean, and Severide I was would... around because wasn't he around like tra- helping train? Yeah. So, like, you know yeah. he wouldn't have let anything get past not letting Matt know if something was happening. 
You know, like if right. Gabby was then, doing something, he would have said something. So then it begs the question, did Severide know whatever their history is? Maybe. But then how does that change things if she cheated on him while she was in the academy? Like, she wouldn't have cheated. Would she have cheated on Casey? I don't think. I don't know. What was Casey going on? What was going on with Casey at that point? Because she was in the academy when he proposed for the first time. Because remember when he proposed the first time, she was doing drills. And that's how he, like, surprised her at the top of the stairs with the ring. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, or were they on again, off again? Or, well... I'm like, I don't know. I need here. to go back. I'm gonna go back when we finish recording and watch the like little that like that up like what's going on. At, I don't know. Here's a good theory slash hot take. So, what if their history happened between seasons two and three in like the white space after Shay died, and you know, because remember he had proposed at I think it was Bowden's wedding or something. He had proposed, and. Then they had the call and then Shay died. So what if things were like super up in the air in that white space? And so she hooked up with him like in like a Severide, like channeling her grief kind of way. Well, didn't we get a time jump right between, I mean, a little time jump between two and three? Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, what if it happened in that white space? It could have. Dun, dun, dun. Theories are fun. (laughs) Um, Dun, dun, dun. Also, doesn't Herman punch the new guy next week? Does he? Herman punches him? Yeah, I think it was in the promo. I don't know. I'm about to go look this up right now. Yeah, because Herman, I guess, along with, it says, you know, Herman, along with other members of House 51, struggle to come to terms with an injury. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Oh, Damon Dives gets, oh, he does punch him. Yeah. He's like, oh, trying to steal Otis's spot. And then, bam, right there on the apparatus floor. Love damn. it. Damn. Yeah, so that it's going to be, yeah, so I we're just heading towards the finale now and shit's going to get crazy. Well, and it's nice that Derek put out and he was like, fire's on its final stretch. Like, we're not having any more breaks. It's going to go straight through. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, which means, Bryna, we can map it out to a finale date. Ooh, true. Yeah, we can. We, we can at least map it out to a fire. Yeah. Did they put out the finale dates? No, but if we're not, not getting a break, we know how many episodes they're getting, so we can map it out ourselves. Um, but also of note in this promo, because I just rewatched it, Gabby says, I haven't told Casey yet, but whatever. And then Damon Dibes' character is like, yeah, but you've got to give me a chance to, like, find my footing in, like, the house. Like, I don't want this, like, screwing up my chances. Huh. So maybe it's not, maybe they didn't hook up. Maybe it's something else. I don't know, but, like. Whatever is happening is gonna Damon Dibes' character thinks it's gonna leave a bad taste in Casey's mouth enough to like screw up his chances in this firehouse. So hmm. we'll see. Yeah, we will see. We will see. But otherwise, yeah, I think that's all we've got for the two hour movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah. Wow. It was it was something. It was very emotional. It was an emotional ringer, that's for sure. But we survived. Yeah, we did. That's the, yeah. Goodness. Um, yeah, so we don't have any more. Well, there's no new PD until April 11th. So you'll get two episodes from us this week. One covering med and then one, of course, covering fire. Um, Jessica, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. fun. You're welcome. Good. I'm glad we didn't, like, scare you away, did we? No, I actually I, I had a lot of anxiety coming in as I was been talking to the both of you. Like, I was afraid I was going to screw something up, but it hasn't been that bad. It's been all right. <laughs> no, it's been it great. Been that bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So um, as always, guys, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. We are meet us at Molly's right across the board. Um, yeah. Wait, Gina, can we make our announcement about another platform that is like officially up and running now? Yes, let's do it. Yeah, so I've been working all week on trying to make us like a website, like a legitimate website, and it is officially up and running. It's got all every literally everything you could think of. I mean, I still have to go back and add our latest episode, our PD episode, but it's got everything up there. So it's got all our previous episodes, all of our con coverage. There's a master post for all of our con coverage. Um, it's got all of the stuff that Gina and I wrote for Talk Nerdy that has anything to do with One Chicago. So, like, all the interviews we've done, um, like, our Halsteads and Headcanons posts. Like, literally everything is up there. So, you can now check it out. We are at meetusatmollies.com. Sweet. Ah, we have a website. Yeah, we do. So, and there's, like, a so contact cool. form so you guys can contact us there. Um, yeah, literally everything about Meetus at Molly's is there. Um, I'm going to kind of be working on our Tumblr page over the next couple days. Like, I think I'm just going to use it to reblog pretty things and, like, gifts and stuff. So if you guys have any Tumblr One Chicago pages that you think we should follow so that I can get all the pretty gifts and things that we like, um, send them to me and I'll follow them and reblog all the pretty stuff. So I'm going to start be using our Tumblr for just, like, pretty gift sets and things like that. So, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, so we're everywhere, guys. And send us emails, too. Meet us at mollies at gmail.com. Um, if you like the show, which we really, really hope you do, and if you've made it this far into the episode, I would like to think that you do, please leave us a review on iTunes. We would really, really love that. Um, let's see. What else do we have going on? Follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Gina Watches TV. Brian. I am at Brianna K13. Jessica. I am totally Chicago status and I am Mrs. Lieutenant Severide. <laughs> Mrs. LT Severide. Yes. Yes, yes. And Ashley. And, yeah, Ashley is at Ashnick095. That's Nick, and I see no K. We so, promise she'll be back yeah. at some point. We promise. Yes. We've been talking to her. She's still around. Yeah. We miss her. We Skyped with her the other she's day. She's just busy. Yeah. Yeah. So. She's she's busy adulting, just working her butt yeah. off. So, yeah. Um, yeah, otherwise, that's about all we've got. And we will see you guys on Friday for a new episode of Med. And, yeah, everybody have a good week. 